to talk about board games. Fa la 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 la. We're going to talk about board games. Fa la 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 la. It's nearly Christmas, and we are serving up card gaming terror and a playthrough review of Arkham Horror, the card game. And we celebrate our 50th episode by ranking our first 50 featured games. Is it? Eh, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, Nicole. Yeah, Fred. What is the best part of this season? Well, we it's were not in the, the cold. holiday season. Is um, it the cold? No. Why? Because I'm cold right now. You're doing great. I can see. I'm right across the table from you, so I can tell. I know. I'm freezing. Yep, you're great. Um, it's the eggnog. <laughs> That's your favorite part. Sure. Eggnog. I don't. Know. I got to tell you, I, I I had a little bit of the eggnog. Your eggnog, the uh, Albert Erickson. I don't know if that's sold everywhere or not. I don't know. Might be a regional thing. Could be. But it's a bit gritty. Gritty? That's a nutmeg. <laughs> I mean, there was some grit. There's always grit in eggnog. Yeah. It's a nutmeg. You like grit. Well, no, but... Who was... It was... Uh, I think how it, it works. What's his face? Uh, Dave Attell is the one who once said, <laughs> I don't know who came up with pancakes... Someone just, or, or, I just ruined just that ruined joke. the joke. <laughs> he said, I don't know who decided they wanted to drink pancakes. <laughs> but that's what, I mean, it's kind of eggnoggy. I don't know. Pancakes are disgusting in batter form. You have yeah, to the really, try, try to drink pancakes sometime. It's, it's, it's not flour and water. It's awful. Exactly. <laughs> um, I have to say that after, it's for me personally, it's that I get more, I get like a little week of reprieve. Yeah. from my horrible schedule I usually get. And uh, it's right after all of the family get-togethers are over with and all the presents are gone and all the get, you know, all the dinners are done and I don't have any responsibilities. That's, and that's when I finally start to kind of unwind because right now I'll be off, but I'll still be kind of wrapped up in that getting ready for Christmas kind of momentum, you yeah. know? That's where I'm at. That's why I'm like, um, I think it's just the eggnog. <laughs> Right, eggnog, huh? <laughs> Got some, need something to unwind. I also find that the uh, the memory of the get-togethers, they sort of edit out the awkward moments and the lulls in them, and, and you just kind of remember, oh, yeah, we played the uh, Sheriff of Nottingham game. That mm -hmm. was so much fun, you know? That's what you really remember. We always have a good time at the family's house, though. I think so. Yeah. I think so. None, so of I think that, none of those fighting moments. No, I can't believe you bring them to our Christmas. So, so truly, my you know. favorite part is the the aftermath of the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I like it best when it's over. I do, I do. It just kind of feels like job well done. Now I can relax for a second and then go back to work. Exactly. <laughs> now, I thought about skipping this. We are on our episode 50. Right. And we're going to talk about 50 games. Now, we have a really crazy habit of talking about a game for an hour sometimes. So we can't sometimes do that. Sometimes 15, 20 minutes. I mean, our normal is at least 10 minutes. Yeah. We don't we don't shorten all this normally. So uh, we're going to talk about 50 of them. And so we really kind of want to alter this episode. We're giving it sort of a spin. And we are going to start with our playthrough review 
right up front. But instead of skipping it, every playthrough review has to be preceded by a what about that. So let's find out what about that. All these games have been All right, so the holiday season, is, uh, it's horrific enough without our help, uh, but it has not stopped... Because uh, <laughs> we do make it worse. But it has not uh, stopped Hollywood from producing Christmas movies uh, that break, sort of break the holiday spirit. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about Christmas movies that are set during Christmas, but not about Christmas. So what does this have to do with Arkham Horror, the card We'll game? get to that. We'll oh, get to that. there's a tie-in? Awesome. Of course. Okay. Now, the most popular go-to with fans of this topic would be or topic would be what? Let's just, let's just have you guess because I didn't have you a part of this at I all. I kind of accidentally cheated. Don't I, cheat I anymore. I didn't mean to look. Here, okay. I'll just flip Take my page. notes away. There. there. Okay. What is it? Die Hard. Of course. And now... I know that one because on Facebook the other day, yeah. somebody had a Christmas tree ornament yeah. that was like a little silver box yeah. with uh, Bruce Willis in the middle of it. And it looked like he was crawling through a tunnel, through a, through a what are those called? A ventilation shaft. Exactly. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Now, um, Die Hard is set at Christmas. Right. And so is Die Hard 2. <clears throat> That's cheesy. I'm just telling you. Now, both of these action movies are centered around an incredibly lucky and near-indestructible protagonist and his overcoming impossible odds, dodging hundreds of bullets and besting tens of other men, all this while Christmas music plays mockingly in the background as he delivers cheesy Schwarzenegger lines throughout the movies. And he's barefoot. In, in one of them. I don't think he's barefoot the second one, is he? I don't know. Did he lose his shoes? That would be, you can't have him lose his shoes twice, right? They, they are ridiculous movies. So, yes, they can. <laughs> now, that's, that's not the only action movie that I came up with for this. Because Die Hard and Die Hard 2 are action movies set at Christmas. But they have nothing to do with Christmas. What's another one? You, you will not know this. Lethal Weapon. No. It's I think, based, well, it is I think a Christmas. It is. Yeah, one of them. At least one of them. Yeah, but this is not the ha, movie ha. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of one that you didn't think of. Okay, well, then you better tell me, because oh, I'll never think of it. It's Rocky Four. Why would I think of that? I don't know, but Rocky Four is one of these action movies you don't think about. Right. And it is... is that the, which one is that? Is it the one where he fights the Russian? Yes. Now, this is the fourth installment in the series that does nothing... I will break you. This does nothing <laughs> new for the series at all, other than showcase the feeling of the United States in the, uh, at the end of the Cold War. Uh, Rocky does the same formula he does every time. He has some sort of setback, and then he trains really hard, and he fights, and he only overcomes the odds with his heart and determination. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it's any he better. Beats a living snot out of some other human being. Right. I don't like boxing. I love it. I, you you know, about? that's fine. It doesn't matter. Anyways, but the action genre is not the only one who exploits Christmas as a backdrop. Let's talk about con comedy. What do, you, what do you come up with for comedy? Love Actually. No. It's pretty Christmas. I'm just saying no. It's all Christmas. It's I love not, that movie. It's not a comedy. It's so good. Barely a comedy. No, it makes you cry. I cry a couple times during that one. So what, what, here, you want me to give you one? So, okay, a comedy? Yeah. Something funny. Right. At Christmas. Right. That's not a Christmas movie. It's just set at Christmas. Yeah. I give up. I got one that'll blow your mind right up front. Please, blow my mind. Trading Places. 
Oh, you're right. That's Christmas. Right. This is a classic Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd movie that is sort of a retelling of The uh, Prince and the Pauper, where a street-smart Eddie Murphy uh, switches places with this wealthy elite Dan Aykroyd uh, to sort of surprising results. Uh, Now, of course, I know this will offend Nicole, but it doesn't matter. Because this is a really special movie because it contains the only topless scene that Jamie Lee Curtis has ever done. <laughs> is it the only one she's ever done? Yes, this is it. Well, I knew she she did it in that movie. <laughs> okay, what's another comedy? <laughs> Not about Christmas, but set at Christmas time. Not a, I, This one's so obvious it'll slap you in the face. Okay. Home Alone. That's totally about Christmas. It has nothing to do with Christmas. It has everything His to do... His parents leave town and it has nothing Christmas. to do about Christmas. Because they're going on a Christmas trip. It has nothing to do about it. Only because they're not home... It's just about a kid by himself in the house defending his house against criminals because his parents forgot about him. But they left the house because it was Christmas. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Veto. No. Home Alone okay, 2, okay, same then, thing? Then, it, then, it dis, then that automatically uh, disqualifies Die Hard. He Why? was on the coast visiting his wife for Christmas. But that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point of this. The point was Kevin was supposed to go with his family to Christmas, and he doesn't. So now it's not about Christmas. Now it's about burglars trying to break in his house. At Christmas. No. Training places had nothing to do with Christmas. The only reason it had that it was Christmas was because, here's your Christmas bonus, $5. No, because Dan I'll Aykroyd shows up drunk dressed as Santa Claus eating a salmon, salmon out of his beard. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Yeah, but that's like because the, they had a Christmas party at the end. I'm just saying. No, Home Alone could have, the movie could have never happened if it weren't Christmas. It could have been Thanksgiving. No. And they were going to Grandma's house, so they all go jump on a plane. I can't believe we forgot Kevin at Thanksgiving. Well, that's just lackluster. <laughs> Die Hard could have happened at any other time. He could have been going I'm just, just on vacation. I'm just saying, it he mattered. doesn't celebrate Christmas by himself. Well, because they get home, they realize they left him, and they come home. Yeah. But he does part of it by himself, and then the family mm. shows up later. Mm. And then they do it again in part two. It's a two, comedy about burglars being repelled by a kid, like not about Christmas. Kid. It has nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, I disagree. Next. <laughs> You're next. All right, so love stories. Love Actually. Uh, have, some, have, have this <laughs> setting as well. Uh, dramas uh, actually like... Uh, the Christmas setting as a backdrop. And what would, what did you say was yours? Love Actually. Right. Now, Love Actually is a Christmas movie that no, has... it's not about it's, Christmas. It's, okay, it's but about it's a love. Christmas set movie it is that has Christmas. ten tales, some interweave, and most cause Nicole to cry uncontrollably. Not uncontrollably, just a little bit here and there. It's so Oh, bad. you're saying that you could control it and you could stifle that watching that movie. Okay, no, go ahead. Uncontrollably. Next. So uh, here's another one, though. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Think, think of another one, because I know, I know you know another one. Oh, love movie? Yeah. It's not beaches. That's not at Christmas, although I think they celebrate Christmas at some point. I don't know. Um, what is it? It's another good one, by the way. Right. It's oh. not beaches. I love that movie. It's not beaches. Um, yeah? I don't know. What? Um, uh, this one will make you laugh, because I know you have this Titanic. one. It's not Titanic. I have it? Yeah, I think so. I, I, you made me watch it. And it's not love, actually? No. <laughs> okay, I give up. Uh, while you were sleeping. That's totally about Christmas. They said it's not about Christmas. 
It all happens the week of Christmas. That's the whole reason she gets invited over to the family's house. They would have no reason to invite her over otherwise. I disagree. Where did you get this? This is, this is somebody, somebody else said this. I know what somebody the movie is. Somebody else okay? is wrong. Okay, well, this movie, while you were sleeping, is a woman Sandra has Bullock. a crush on a guy who she sees at the bus stop every day or train stop every day. Uh-huh. And at she, the L in Chicago. He, he gets mugged or something and gets hit by a train or something weird. And no, he, get, he, he ends gets, up in a he coma. He gets mugged. He lands on the tracks. So she jumps on the tracks to try and wake him up and he won't wake up. So she like grabs him and rolls him off the tracks right as the train's coming through because it's an express and almost hits him. And so he's still out. And then she ends up at the hospital and the nurse takes him. Uh, they, they take him into the emergency area and they won't let her go in. She's like, oh, I was going to marry that guy. And the nurse overhears and thinks that she meant that she's his fiance. So she lets him in the room and then the whole family discovers that she's the fiance, but she's not. She's never even met the guy in real life. And of course, she falls in love with his brother. Right. She lies <laughs> to his family about being his fiance. Not to ruin the movie. But... And goes to stay with them during the holidays and proceeds to fall in love with the coma guy's brother. Well, who's actually a super nice guy as opposed to the rich idiot. Oh, rich idiot. He was a jerk. I'm just telling you. I don't like him. Just telling you. That's such a good movie. It's about the love story, but it's not totally... about Christmas. Well, that, okay, yeah, but it's... <laughs> It wouldn't have happened. It couldn't have happened if it hadn't been for the backdrop Christmas. was Christmas, but that could have been told at any time. No, because she wouldn't have gotten invited over. She wouldn't have fell in love with the. She wouldn't well, have met he, the brother. He was coming over to our house for Easter. Easter. It's Easter. Come over. What? He was coming over for the Fourth of July. No, because I gave gifts and <laughs> she got drunk on Grandma's eggnog. Okay, let's get, let's get all these hack. These, these hack genres out we of the way. we got to hurry through this list anyway. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you that no genre during Christmas, d- does Christmas, during Christmas, but not about Christmas, better than horror. Okay? Now this one, you're going you're gonna to disqualify right up front. What? What am I going to guess? Gremlins. No. Oh. What's right on the list, front, though? Right up front, I'm going to tell you, Gremlins is on the list, but I'm going to tell you, that Black Christmas has nothing to do with Christmas. It's Santa coming to kill people, isn't it? It's 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 a maniac in the in the attic of a sorority house. Everybody else leaves for Christmas, um. and a girl stays there doing nothing with Christmas at all, and has to deal with this. It's just on Christmas. It's just during Christmas. But that's season. like saying Halloween doesn't have anything to do with Halloween, other than the fact that it's on Halloween. There were trick or treaters and kids in costumes that interact. <laughs> with the main there was character. a tree somewhere. But here's the thing: um, it was directed by Bob Clark, who later went on to direct what movie? A Christmas Carol story. A Christmas story. A Christmas. He did do. I was going to say yes. that. Okay. Yeah, he did, hey, he, did, hey. he did a Christmas story, which is probably one of the. The biggest it's the Christmas classic. You can't tell me that's not time. about Christmas. That is absolutely about Christmas. No <laughs> doubt in my mind. If okay? you haven't seen it, they put it on TBS every year for 24 hours straight. Now, maybe maybe Black Christmas is a little more Christmassy since it has Christmas in the title. Yeah. But this did lead, it's, it's credited with leading to a bunch of other movies like Halloween, who used like American Holidays as a backdrop. Or, the, or a setting, you know, for their like horror movies April to take Fool's place. April Fool's Day. Right. <laughs> right. New Year's Evil. Aww. <laughs> that was one. Um, or there's one called Santa's Sleigh. 
S-L-A-Y. S-L-A-Y, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. But anyways, okay, so it, it is credited with being the first of all those. It actually preceded Halloween's. And you mentioned Gremlins, and this is a movie that is set at Christmas and has nothing to do with Christmas. This one absolutely Do not let nothing. your children watch that movie. If they're younger than like 10, don't let them watch it. That's her suggestion. I don't care one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. It's a movie about a strange creature with a few strict rules. Mogwai. And once they are broken, all hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. And uh, here's another one. This one's an earlier one. Precedes that. 1945. Ooh. This one's called Dead of Night. It's a ghost story involving a creepy ventriloquist dummy. Ew. And some ghosts. It's and it's set at Christmas time, yeah. But it has nothing to do with Christmas. Right. Weird. Uh, here's one called Dead End. Do you remember that movie? No. Yes, you do, because we watched that. Which it's one? a family late for Christmas takes a shortcut onto a seemingly endless road. It grabs tidbits from the woman in white fable. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Uh-uh. And they're working through all these family problems. I can't give anything else about it. That was hmm. set at Christmas time. They were on their way to a Christmas party, and this show has nothing to do with Christmas after that. Huh. Weird. Um, there's also a British comedy that I haven't seen that I really want to see called Stalled. Is it on Netflix? I don't think so, but it's about a janitor who defends himself during Christmas in an office building from the zombie apocalypse after he holds himself up inside of a women's bathroom stall. What? <laughs> All of those movies have Christmas as a backdrop. Huh. Crazy, right? Well, that's the movies we ought to watch. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: is I don't even know how this relates to <laughs> our game we played this week, other than it's horror and it's Christmas time. <laughs> I'm just, I just put this list up here because maybe you want to add some Christmas variety to your uh, holiday movie watching. Just letting you tell you. We do what we can. Right. <laughs> so brace yourselves for this horrific playthrough review. The following is a true recount of a board gaming session. It is not merely a conversation. It contains the actual sounds of components, success and failure, and in-the-moment emotions from the incident itself. The archivists of this audio would like to remind the faint of heart that the people involved are not rules experts, did not design the game, and do not always play nice. No one was murdered in the playing of this game. Alright, so Fantasy Flight Games has released Arkham Horror Card Game. This is in their HP Lovecraft 1920s setting of horror games. It joins such alumni as Elder Signs, Mansions of Madness, and of course the original Arkham Horror Game. Now this is also part of their Living Card Game series of games. Now a Living Card Game is a collectible game that give up the random packs of other collectible card games in favor of many unnecessary expansions that expand the game, adding variety and depth in small increments. Now the game puts each player in the role of a paranormal investigator placed into a precarious situation. The game is played with five decks of cards. They are character, car character card decks, enemy decks, location decks, act decks, and agenda decks. Now let me break these down. To start off with, each player is going to select a character and build their, their character deck of cards, either using a list found in the book or by following a deck recipe on the back of the character card that tells how many cards of each of four types that will be included. Now these cards are usually helpful things such as items and allies and little skill boosts. 
Now, after gathering or building your deck, the campaign book is now used to guide you through a storyline, and then it gives you a recipe to build the enemy deck from several different smaller stacks that are shuffled together. Now, this includes violent monsters, unfortunate events, and possible, like, environmental effects, stuff like that. Now, after selecting the story and building the enemy deck, the unique story cards for the location, act, and agenda decks are gathered and placed on the table. Now, these are much smaller stacks of cards and are, speci are very specific for the story. Most of the location cards are where you explore, travel to. They are also where you investigate and collect clue tokens that are placed on them when you enter those areas. They have symbols on them to tell you which cards connect to them so that you know, like, say, a hallway leads to an attic. Uh, you were, it also tell you, basically, it also give you a number, I guess, to tell you how tough it is to get clues off of those as well. Now, act cards are the story that the investigators are completing to finish the adventure. These have a clue cost that must be met in order to advance the card, which is done by flipping it over and reading its backside and then progressing to the next card. Now, the last deck uh, is the agenda cards. These are the enemy version of the act deck that I just described. Each round, a doom token is placed onto the current agenda. If the amount of doom tokens reaches the number on the cards, <coughs> sorry, the card is flipped and evil takes place. Uh, when players take their turns, they will have a hand of cards and some asset tokens. At the start of the game, you get five and a portrait card of their character that is placed next to the location card that they start in. In this game, most cards cannot simply be brought into play. They must be paid for with your asset tokens. A couple of asset tokens get added to your hand or to your, <coughs> sorry, to your collection each round. And sometimes, because of the character, uh, the card and character effects, you may be able to gain additional asset tokens. During your turn, each character can have three actions, and these actions are taken from this list: investigate, fight, evade, move play a card, draw a card, or sometimes there's specific card effects that give you certain special actions that get played. Now, each time uh, you attempt to do an action other than draw, play, or move, the action will usually require a skill check. Now, each each of your characters has several symbols marked with skills, like marked with these little skills, like uh, symbols, like for instance, a willpower is a brain on your, uh, on your little character card with a number attached to it that represents your aptitude. These numbers are your success score that you're building at the start of a skill check. So in other words, the willpower I mentioned, if you have a brain with four... Out of song. <laughs> if you have a brain power of four, that's a willpower of four, The uh, you start with a score of four. Cards that are in play already can alter this number, and you can also discard cards to add one number per card to this number as well. Once you finally settle on what your number is, your success number, you reach into a bag of usually negative numbered tokens and draw one ran randomly. <coughs> this is applied to your current skill number. Now, if your number is equal to or higher than the test number, you succeed. If it's lower than, you fail and suffer some sort of negative effect. Now, after each player takes their turn, enemies will travel and attack, and the players will have to each draw from the enemy deck and resolve a card, after which a doom token is placed on the uh, current agenda, and a new turn is started by the players drawing a card and getting two asset tokens. The evil unease is in the air tonight, so gather clues, push the act forward quickly before the evil agenda is fulfilled. Jeez, I just needed like that was 45 seconds or mm -hmm. so. Minute and a half. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're playing Arkham Horror this week. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, this is kind game. of a weird thing, because I didn't think we'd play this game so close to Warhammer Adventure 
card game because it felt it, it felt like we were playing the same thing. But this is definitely a different game. This mm -hmm. is one of like I said, this is a living card game, and it's uh, closely based off of the Lord of the Rings uh, card game. And it is once once I started kind of thinking about it, I was like, that's really close. Yeah. But you do have like an act deck, which is different. As well as like an agenda deck. So the agenda deck is different. The token bag is different. A lot of what, what makes the game the game is there's a little little tweaks here and there to everything. And at this point in our first clip here, we are all set up. So let's get to the horror. All right, Nicole, here we go. This is Arkham Horror, the card game. We have left to draw up our five cards. We got our five resources. We are, are doing... these shuffled? Yeah. Do I need to shuffle them? No. If you just want to make a mockery of how good I shuffle with your shuffle. <laughs> I if it was better. You got your five cards? I got my five cards. Well, pay attention to them. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we are uh, in the study. Now, this is the uh, first adventure in the game. And we are going to do this like this. Um, should I read the whole beginning of this? Um, no. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't want to ruin it for everybody. Well, I got to read the setup for our scenario. Oh, okay. Do that. Don't then. you? You and your partner have been investigating strange events taking place in your home city of Arkham, Massachusetts. Why not? <laughs> Over the past few weeks, several townspeople have mysteriously gone missing. Recently, their corpses have turned up in the woods, savaged and half-eaten. The police and newspapers have stated that wild animals are responsible, but you believe there's something else going on. You are gathered together at the lead investigator's house, so Roland Banks' house, because that's my character, uh, home uh, to discuss these bizarre events. Okay? okay. So that's what I'm doing. We're, we're, we're here to discuss these crazy animal savagery. What? is going on here now. This says, uh, what is this? Do I read this one first? I don't know. You set it up. It's late at night, and we are holed up in my study, researching the bloody disappearances that have been taking place in the region. A few hours into our research, Nicole, you... Me? As in Wendy. Wendy Adams. <laughs> Wendy Adams. Uh, you hear a strange chanting coming from my parlor down the hall. At the same time, you hear dirt churning. Dirt How churning. How do you hear that? I don't know. I Is hear that... something churning. Could it be dirt? Hold on, Wendy. Let me investigate this. <laughs> As if something were digging beneath the floor. This that doesn't even make sense. Was the dryer? Shut up, Wendy. Did you leave your keys in your pocket? Shut your mouth, Wendy. <laughs> I'm going to leap and investigate the door to my study. But it vanished before my eyes, leaving behind only a solid wall. It's never happened before, Wendy. <laughs> <clears throat> You're trapped inside uh, Roland's study until you can find another way out. That's what's happened. Okay? Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you up front. If you're listening to this, don't worry. That is the only story clip we give away. The rest of this whole thing. If that disappoints you, we are very sorry. But this we're not going to give away stories like this that. This was the demo that they did too at <clears throat> right. Gen Con. Right. So. This is sort of a. This is we're just up front. We're going to say that this this game, when you know the storyline, you can play the game again. But you're going to know the storyline. Right. Because the storyline's not going to change 
so significantly, like especially in these text-laden cards that we have. Uh, but I, I think the story sounds great so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it, there's there's quite a bit of story in this, you know, for this being just a little card game. I don't recall ever feeling this level of, of like detail in the Lord of the Rings version of the game. Um, the campaign book uh, is is what's kind of giving us all this information. Um, you hear you hear that at the start that we read, <clears throat> and the other the next part where I was locked in the study. That part's off the uh, actual cards. Mm-hmm. So when I was like talking about the door disappearing and the you know all that stuff, that was off of one of the act cards, just so you get a sense of what that sounds like as well. So you you heard book in that clip. Then once I start talking about the study, that's cards. Uh, now these cards have a clue requirement to uh, complete, and they are two sided, as I said before. So we have a certain number of clues. the The location we're in the attic gives us like two clues per investigator. And we need four clues to escape the, or not the attic, the study. Right. We need four clues to get out. So before we can act, let's listen to what happens. What? Oh, I have to do this treachery. Dang it. Revelation. I got this, I got paranoia treachery right off Already? the bat. Already? Yes. Aww. And I have to discard all of my resources, so I have no resources oh, now. Oh, that's sad. <clears throat> I just went from five to zero. Um, so I can't do any assets at this point. Oh, I got another treachery. <clears throat> what the heck, dude? I, is, did you shuffle? I shuffled like crazy, okay? My other treachery, so this is both my treacheries in my opening hand. That's pretty bad. Uh, I got cover-up. It's a weakness. It's a task. Put cover-up into the play area in your threat area with three clues on it. When you would discover one or more clues at your location, discard that many clues from cover-up instead. When the game ends, if there's any clues on cover-up, you suffer one mental trauma. Okay, so here's the deal. I put three clues on cover-up, and I'm going to start investigating just because. Okay. (laughs) Because I have nothing else I can do at this point. All my assets are gone. Uh, my other, I, or my, my assets can't be played because all of my little assets that I could have spent on them are gone. Anything right. in my hand is just defunct. So I'm going to investigate. All right. So this is these treachery cards. Now here's the deal. Why would I, if I was deck building this, why would I put treachery cards in my deck? That's because in the recipe and even in the pre-built decks, it forces you to put treachery cards into your deck or some sort of mishap cards Mm -hmm. and it just so happens you get like i think you get two or three in your deck and i pulled two of them in my opening hand and you have to play them immediately right so what the trick that first one did was i had to discard all of my assets which means essentially i can't play any cards out of my hand now means you're useless like right out of the gate you're useless to me i'm I'm almost useless i can still do stuff like (laughs) investigate I can still, you know, travel and stuff like that. I just, I could still fight something if it was in the room with us. I'm just not allowed to actually play cards. So I can't enhance, you know, my, my abilities at all with my cards, which is kind of what you do with your opening hand normally when you play this game. Uh, the other one makes it so that whenever I do investigate successfully at the end of the game, if I still have clue tokens on this card then I will take like some sort of like permanent damage. Like I'll have to add another bad card into my deck automatically. Right. Because this is a campaign. So this cards do carry over from, from game to game. Um, <clears throat> so basically we've started off. I've got really bad luck. 
I uh, proceed to investigate and I remove a token off of my cover-up card. And then Nicole takes her first turn at this point. So I'm going to put a card into play. I'm going to put in backstab so that my fight will be better later, but it cost me three resources to, uh, to put it into play. You're so lucky. I got bad luck. Okay. And then I will go ahead and, uh, I guess I'm going to investigate. I forgot to introduce myself. Pleased to meet you. Should I introduce Roland? Oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Roland is always taking comfort in the procedure and rules as an agent of the Bureau I'm an FBI agent. He was relieved to have guidelines to follow in any given situation, but lately, lately, his federal agent's handbook has been entirely unhelpful given the cases he's been assigned. Try as he might, Roland could find no evidence of what to do when confronted with strange creatures, gates through time and space, or magic spells. If he hadn't seen it with his own eyes, he would never have believed it, and there's no way his superiors would understand. Roland knew he would have to handle this one himself okay Boom. back to you thanks back to my turn <laughs> i still have to uh wait his his quote though <laughs> everything by the book every i dotted every t crossed it had worked until now is it my turn yeah okay it's totally your turn <laughs> all right so i have my backstab in there yeah you're backstabbing no i'm just gonna hang on to it i just get to use it for later right although it says an event it's not like an asset mm. events have to be done right now oh well, then i don't want to do that later then that's stupid i start over because i didn't realize that's what that was so i lied i'm going to put in my baseball bat instead because it's an asset cost two assets cost me two resources not assets you're doing pretty good. Okay. And then I'm going to go ahead and search or investigate. So my investigate, I have to go off the book? Yes. Mine's a three. So you have three. It basically starts at three successes. Okay. So and I draw a token zero, that says minus two. Is that what it says? Yeah. So that puts me at one, which is below the Wait, two. Minus two. Oh, okay. It says minus two. Yeah, so you get one. No, I don't. You have to beat that. Oh, you're you're right. Never mind. Did you do that wrong before? I did that wrong. So you've made no progress whatsoever. Right. And you cheated accidentally. I messed up. Okay, I'm going to investigate again because heavens knows you're never going to help me. I got a lot of And I got a minus right 3. Up. So yeah, that was a waste of time. Right. It's your turn. It's not my turn. It's actually the end of our hero phase. Oh. <clears throat> now we get to place one doom token doom. on the uh, the uh, agenda. We're going to die. Just relax, okay? Uh, each investigator draws one card from their deck, and we get a... Uh, Make sure it's not anything awful. <clears throat> Oh, wait, we, I'm sorry. In the, before we do that, we're supposed to draw one from the encounter deck. Oh. So draw one. Oh. So mine says Rotting Remains Terror. Uh, I, I have to do this right off the bat. It's a revelation. I test my willpower three. For each point I fail, I take one horror. So I got to go in here and hope I get a plus one so I get a horror back. No, I'm just kidding. What? Uh, I get a minus two. 
So my mind power was three, so I take two horror and there's nothing I can do about it. Okay. What do you do? Treachery, ancient evils. It's an omen, revelation. Place one doom on the current agenda. This effect can cause the current agenda to advance. Okay. Dark forces stir against you. If you do what? not act quickly, a sinister plot will be fulfilled. All right. So then you get your... There's your card. You get your little resource. Oh, I get a resource? Yep. And your card out of your deck. <coughs> Sorry. Your card out of your deck. And we are back into the next round. Okay, so fine. Yes, I made a mistake on my investigation. I, I, I thought that I had uh, made one progress token. I was wrong. You failed me completely. Right. I, I mistook the uh, the success number that I needed. I, I forgot to look at the location card in our playthrough here to find out that you needed a level two success. So you needed two, a positive two in what order to succeed. What were you comparing it to? I wasn't comparing it to anything. I just thought if you had over a zero, you succeeded. Why would you think that? Because I was bonkers at the moment. <laughs> is that okay? Oh, sure. I still love you. Yeah, an investigator's success crazy. is listed on the location card, and it's uh, you have to equal or supersede the Aww, number with clue tokens. You, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, the uh, token used to progress <sighs> through the act is, the, is these little clue tokens that get put on the card. And these will get eventually transferred to the act card. <clears throat> the agenda card is also mentioned here. You can hear us do a uh, enemy deck phase where you uh, where we pulled a card and you had to add an additional token to the agenda card uh, mentioned here as well. It's basically, like I said, the bad guy version of the act cards. And uh, we don't really talk much about what happens on the agenda in this game, except I'll just tell you up front here so, so I don't forget it later. Stuff gets much worse, considerably worse, <laughs> if the agenda progresses forward. It doesn't just, like, introduce something that's, like, some, like, you know... It's like, oh, here's one monster. No. Right, here's something kind of bad. It's, no. it's just, it's way worse. It's like, how are we really going to screw up your day? Okay, <laughs> right, here right. you go. Enjoy that. And that's added to the to token that's added to the agenda deck every single round. Right. So I'm going to start my second turn right here. So on your turn, do you want to hear about my character? Yes, go. Right now. <laughs> do it. I am the urchin, Wendy Adams. Uh, what did you read? Oh. Mama used to let <laughs> Wendy play with her necklace when she was small. Poke, poke salad. <laughs> Mama would tell her stories, and Wendy would spin the necklace and watch as it glittered. Then word came that her father had been lost at sea. And hey, Mama's, Mama. Mom started acting strange. Look at my necklace. What's wrong? You thinking about Daddy? Drawing unusual symbols in chalk all over the house. They took Mama to the asylum, and Wendy went to the orphanage. Before they took her away, Mama gave her the necklace to protect her. Oh. Wendy stayed in the orphanage for several years before running away, deciding that she could take better care of herself on her own. Right. Yeah. That's her quote. On the front. Uh, oh, on the front. Her quote. She didn't have a quote. She's quoteless. She has nothing to say. Great. The don't talk as Wendy you ever again. You have a quote? I have no quote. I got a quote right here. No. Nope. Pretty cool. I got nothing. <clears throat> All right. That was boring. Sorry. Go ahead. Where was I at? All right. Oh, you were going to take a turn, but I interrupted. Right. <laughs> uh, I so for my third action, guess what I'm going to do? Investigate. Yes, because we're tying here. 
Minus four, stupid. No, I had a minus four already. I, I didn't get another one. I lose. Oh, yeah. I lose. Okay. It's your turn again. My turn? I'm just sitting here. Sitting here pouring gasoline in the corner like, no, no, we'll find a way out. I'm just going to set this pile of stuff on fire. So how many assets can you have? Um, As many as you want, I think. Okay. I'll look, but what do I know? <clears throat> Assets represent allies, talents, spells, and other res uh, reserves that could be used to uh, by an investigator during a scenario. Um, it remains in play unless discarded. Some have a health or sanity. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, most assets take up one or more slot while in play. See slots, page 19. Slots. If you get three cherries, you win. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, each investigator has a number of specific slots that can't be filled at any or can be filled at any given moment. Each asset in an investigator's play area or threat area has a symbol where the slot is held. Slots are numbered uh, are limited to the number of asset cards the investigator is permitted to have in play simultaneously. The slots the investigator can have are one accessory, one body, one ally, two hand, and two arcane. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so you got you got plenty. You'll probably be able to do it. Right. So this way, the, this thing lets you equip items. Really, it, it kind of follows that role-playing game kind of way of thinking. Uh, I don't I don't recall this kind of rule being in the Lord of the Rings card game. It may be. I don't know. But you do definitely have, like, a limitation to how much gear you can have on. Like, you can't have 12 guns on one guy. Mm-hmm. Because he can only use, like, one in each hand if they're a single-hand weapon. What did you have? <coughs> like a, crow, a crowbar? I had a baseball bat. <coughs> right, and it took both hands. Right, because so you, you can't couldn't... swing a baseball bat one-handed, apparently. Well, you can. It's just useless. I think useless. I could figure it out. Oh, I'd kick your wrist and you'd drop it. Well, that would be anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> that doesn't mean it has to be two-handed. But this makes it feel a lot more like a role-playing game. You know? Yeah. It really does. Uh, now, at this point, I'm just going to just kind of tell you that we are still stuck in my <laughs> my study. <coughs> I'm sorry. I just getting, getting over a really cold. bad one. Uh, so we're still stuck in my study, and we're searching for a way out while I cover up all the clues that I find. <laughs> That's what's happening. I am, I am investigating. I just keep applying them to this I don't want mental trauma card. game. Uh, so not is not to ruin the story here. This is a recap that before this next clip. This jumps us forward a little bit. Uh, it feels like we've been there too long, and I hear voices stopping me from playing cards next turn. And Nicole finds rotting remains and steadies herself, ignoring them. I finally cover up enough information, and Nicole's investigates the space more. I withstand a crypt chill, and Nicole causes fog to fill the area, making it tougher to investigate. I then finally get enough assets to pay for a flashlight out of my hand and finish the investigation of this act. Now, this gets us out of the study and places us in the hall, which leads to the attic. Uh, where Nicole goes, and the basement where I go. Now, one of the ways out is blocked, and we jump back uh, here at this next clip during the mythos phase. We go into mythos, we put a, de a doom. Put the doom on the, on the track. <laughs> uh, I put a doom on the track. We don't uh, advance the agenda yet. We draw a card from the encounter deck each. My card says that I've found an obscuring fog. So I'm just going to leave this area. This is dumb. Attached to you your location. Kidding? I'm telling you that this is now a six to investigate the fog. Is there a way to get out of the fog? 
I just leave. After attached. Well, you're going to have to. We're going to have. You're going to have to get two in there. Am I? Yes, because it takes six to Whoa. pass. We have to get two out of there. Jeez. All right. I guess I'm stuck in the obscuring fog. <clears throat> okay. I'm frozen in fear. I would have much like rather that than this. Revelation. Fog. Put frozen in fear into play in your threat area. The first time you perform one of the following actions, move, fight, or evade each round, it costs one additional action. Uh, and at the end of your turn, you have to test your brain. Uh, if you succeed, you discard frozen in fear. So it can actually go away potentially. That's good. Right. Now, I can't help but point out, uh, at this point in the game, our luck has been truly horrible. It's been really bad. Because we've played this, this same really scenario shrill, more so than I was, once. I'm apologizing. Right. We've played this, this scenario more than once, and this is like really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, now, other than fighting enemies, we have been like consistently kicked by the game. Now, I'm going to just summarize again, because our luck changes quickly as I successfully investigate the basement using my flashlight, and that gets rid of the fog. Nicole plays a rabbit's foot to aid her in a future skill check and investigates the attic twice and gets rid of her fear card. Hands uh, come out of the basement floor and damage me, and Nicole is a hack attacked by the same hands in the attic. I then become hyper-aware before investigating and moving back into the hallway. Nicole investigates the attic, getting the final attic clue, and moves into the hallway with me. We join back in as we stand in the hall with clue tokens in hand, ready to forward the act. We can wait till it's our next investigator phase, too. Why? Because Does they it might matter? be like, well, because what if it summons some hyper demon on top of us? Okay. So let's wait. Okay. Okay, so we're at the upkeep phase. You get another card. You get your special token. Oh, that's not going to help me right now. <clears throat> and then we go to the mythos phase. We get a, another doom token, which is only at three or four of seven so far. Mm -hmm. uh, then we uh, get to draw an encounter card each. There's yours. Get to, huh? Uh, mine is Rotting Remains. Revelation, I take a three uh, willpower check. And I'm going to spend... I'm going to spend this card right here, this Guts card, right here. Okay. And it gives me two extra, so I'll have a five check. So I'm not going to take, I'm hopefully not going to take any horror as long as I don't get a minus four stupid thing. I get the automatic fail. Oh, so nice. I take three horror and I'm insane. Really? Just like that, yeah. I'm dead. So what does that mean? I'm dead. It, no, insanity is not the same. Yeah. It is? Yeah, you die in this game when you become insane. Oh, so now I have to finish it by myself? Let's take a look. Uh, damage, horror, uh, applying it. Any damage, okay, abilities. Da, 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 da. Any applying damage or horror, if an enemy has damage or horror equal to its health. Um, after applying damage, if an asset, I don't have an asset that could take damage. I, what? Where does it say I die? <laughs> okay, when an investigator is dealt damage or horror that that the investigator assigned to the eligible card, blah, blah, blah. This is terrible. When an investigator is dealt damage or horror, follow these steps in or, order. Assign damage or horror. 
Okay. Okay. When investigators dealt damage or horror, that investigator may assign it to algebra cards. Okay. I, I don't do okay. that. An asset cannot be assigned damage beyond. Okay. Fine. All damage and horror that cannot be assigned must be assigned to the investigator. Got it. <laughs> Applying it. Any assigned damage or horror that is not prevented is now placed on the card which has been assigned. Simultaneously, if no damage or horror is applied in this step, no horror or damage has been successfully dealt. That's so stupid. Okay. <laughs> Abilities that... I'll give 110% because you got to give 110%. Right, right. Give 100%. What? Right. Uh, abilities that prevent or reduce or reassign damage or horror that is dealt what is resolved between steps one and two. After applying damage, if an investigator has damage equal to or higher than their health or horror, or uh, they are defeated. When an investigator is defeated, they are eliminated from the scenario. See elimination on page ten. Oh. Elimination. If you're if you're eliminated, uh, the only manner in which the elimination the inv interact with the game is establishing. Per investigator values, any time a player is eliminated, the cards you control in play and all of the cards out of play areas, such as held in the deck, are removed from the game. Any card the player owns but does not control that remains in the play area, after all clue tokens in that player's possesses uh, are placed at the location the investigator was at when they were eliminated. So you'll have to re-earn all those. All, in, all enemies engaged with that player are placed at the bottom of the location or at the location all other cards, uh, so basically... I have to play by myself Right, now. you play by yourself now, and here's my two clue tokens that have now fallen into the hallway because I died from a dumb, rotting remains. I was like, oh my goodness, a dead body. A sickening display of gore causes you to retch. You're glad it wasn't you. Then you die. <laughs> All right. So I have treachery, ancient evils, place one doom on the current agenda. So... There's that. Yep, I died. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that in this game, any check you do past like maybe one or two hits on any stat could potentially kill you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and of course, I find that out the hard way and, and die. Uh, now, speeding this up again, Nicole grabs my dropped clues on her next turn and then turns them into the act to op that opens the last room encountering a non-player character and an evil priest. Now, it's all up to Nicole to attack the enemy, even though she's really weak in the physical I'm attack so department, even with a baseball bat. I have a bat. Now, with some fancy card play, she punches him and then runs into the next room. He follows her, delivers damage to her body and mind, and she dodges more hands from the floor. Then she asks the non-player character for help who joins her in the fight. Agenda 3 activates, summoning more enemies, and we jump in here and see how Nicole does. <coughs> so it's your turn again. Did you do an encounter? No, you didn't do an encounter yet. There you go. Oh. Uh, place one doom on the current agenda. Whoa. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to punch this guy with my coat <laughs> that I can't put on. Okay. So Which I guy? Get You're two... going after the ghoul priest again? Yeah. So I get two, three, four, right. five. Okay. So I have five against his four. Okay. Oof. <laughs> Boom. What is that? 
That means you are at minus two because of the ghouls in the location. So I two. don't do it. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm going to, after you fail a skill <laughs> test, exhaust the rabbit's foot, and I draw one card. Kaboom. Stupid. Okay, Stupid. that didn't help me at all. So I'm going to do it again. Okay. And so five against... No, I don't have a coat now to... Here, I'll give up. Nope. Don't, don't you just nope. redo the same thing? Well, I would imagine I don't get to keep that card I used. If you're redoing the same one, if you're not doing a new action and you're redoing the same one, it's the same thing. Okay, so five, and I get whatever that is. That is minus two. God dang it. And if there's a ghoul enemy at the location, you take one damage. So you take a damage. A damage or a horror damage? A damage. I'm dead. Yay! Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so we both die. This is what happens at the end of this. Psych, you don't get that. Uh, so <laughs> this is, uh, you can hear she says, well, what does this do? And that's a, that inside the token bag. And now these token bags can be adjusted. And that's something I really liked about this game. Mm -hmm. Was that you could you uh, you could have an easy difficult, you could have a medium difficult, or you could have a hard one. Were we doing based, hard difficult? We were doing medium. Really? <laughs> I promise you it was it medium. It really hard. <laughs> um, and, and inside each of these bags, you throw symbol tokens. Like this one had a skull on it. And it's 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 just like Robinson Crusoe. You have like these tokens that have just like these symbols on them, and based on the scenario you're playing, they mean different things. Right. In this case, they were referencing a certain enemy that we were fighting, and you had to take negative one point of off your success for each one of those enemies in the area. Uh, but yes, we did hold a lot of story back in this playthrough review. That is the final clip. We both die, and I can say that this was the second time we played it. Uh, this scenario, and it went drastically different the first time with everything set up pretty much the same. We had the same mm -hmm. decks of cards, played the same characters, played the same scenario with the same enemies, and it was drastically different. Yeah, Based, we did really well the first time. Right, and it's because I think it was, part of it was just because those treacheries you. came up right off the bat, and it stifled us yeah, so bad. it's your fault. Which gave that first agenda so much time to go through, and we were well into the second agenda before we even got out of the study. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the difficulty of this game. Nicole, how hard is this game to teach to a non-gamer? I think there's a lot of fiddliness to right. it. So I'm gonna, I'm actually probably going to give it like a five. <laughs> I don't think it's a five. I, I think, think it's, five. it's probably a four. I, I don't know. I think the cards are a little bit... Uh, they're they're kind of busy. Right. So some of the symbols you don't necessarily even notice until way late okay. i don't know like like the thing with the baseball bat with it being a two-handed weapon honestly i didn't realize that that's what that that symbol was even on there until i'd asked you about uh how many item slots i had right for the second time i asked you <coughs> well, and we'd already played the game once and i didn't even realize it during that game i realized it during this game that there were icons down at the bottom i think i think i could teach a non-gamer how to play this at a three level, but the problem is the reason that bumps up to four is despite having this fantasy flight system that I actually really like of we're going to give you a learn to play book and then we're going to give you a rules reference book. The problem was is trying to guess what they were going to label this half the time in the rules reference. Like finding a place, like you hear me in that one clip go through it and I had to look up like three or four different places to find out about <laughs> dying to find out how I died. Yeah. 
And that's messed up. And somehow I end up on elimination in there somewhere. Yeah. A completely different section. Yeah. Which, why would that be the first thing that comes to your mind other than death? Yeah. I mean, you would think I died. Death or crazy. One of the death, others. Die. Dying. Right. Death. You wouldn't think Insanity elimination. Even. Well, even insanity. That wasn't in there either. Because <laughs> you don't so. know that you're eliminated. All that really happened is, is you've deceased. So why would you guess you've been eliminated from the game? Right. So it, it's just, I don't know. There's a couple of moments like that where I think of the rule book. It bumps this up to about, a, I think, a four out of five for me. I don't know. I thought it was pretty much a five. <laughs> Even though it's learning it fiddly. myself because of my background with, with the Lord of the Rings game, it wasn't that hard for me. Yeah. But I'm not a non-gamer. Well, I'm not a non-gamer. I'm just not a good gamer. I know that. <laughs> you are not a rules person. Which I love following You're them. a rules lawyer. Yeah. Like you second guess all the rules you don't know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I had to do that at work today. Too bad. I had to call my boss twice and go, okay, wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. This math is not mathing. And she's like, no, no, it's like this. I was like, I are know. you sure? You're like, do you have the yes. rule book? <laughs> Pretty call, much. Call Fred and have Where him read Where is it the in the book. manual? <laughs> There's no manual. She's like, if you feel uncomfortable, call me back. And I'm like, I might be doing that. Ooh. I didn't. I was just like, whatever. Get on with your day. Right. What's your rating on this? Go ahead and make me mad. I don't care. I think it's okay. What'd I think it's it? a three. Really? Yeah. I think it's a four. I think I. I, mm. I think I think it's it's every bit as good as that Warhammer Quest game. I think even even better. Oh, I agree. I think it tells a better story. And I think and it's I, more did I give Warhammer Quest a better rating? I think I you gave have. it. You, you barely gave it a three. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I did. I replayability. When if you told me right now. We're going to play one of these two games. Which one would it be? I'd rather play the Arkham game. Yeah. But a, a lot four. of it has to do with like the campaign and, and that, that we didn't play right. through all of it. But the other one, I didn't care about the campaign as much. It wasn't I as like interesting to me. I like that there's more me. items like the other game. <clears throat> it felt like a lot of the items were kind of flat. This one seemed like every item I saw come out was very usable mm -hmm. and could get you through the scenario faster. I did feel like avoiding enemies was better than confronting enemies, which is very thematic for the setting. Right. Uh, which other other versions of that game don't seem to really do. They, they kind of act like, oh, no, you're a superhero. Go ahead and fight every monster under the sun. I just, I think, it, I wish it would have been a little less fiddly and so that it, it was just easier to catch on to for me with the icons and whatnot. Um, and then right. I think I would have enjoyed it just a little bit more. It just kind of felt like the payoff was barely better than... Elder Sign, and Elder Sign is so much easier to grasp. <laughs> I think once you get to Gates of Arkham, Elder Sign's every bit as fiddly as this. Was that one of the expansions? Yeah, that was the no, last that, one. Okay, but that's different. This isn't even an expansion. This is just the game. <laughs> I'm so, saying I really like it. I don't dislike it. I like it also because I, I kind of like the fact that there's not dice in it. I yeah. And that, that I can control what's going on in that bag and I could play pretty quietly like on the road or in a hotel lobby and I wouldn't be like upsetting anybody or making too much noise. Yeah. That's always a concern with you playing at work. <laughs> oh, I mean, not that you would ever do that. <laughs> right. But I, I think it, I think it could be applied at, at a different, a lot of different locations. Yeah. I think it contains itself pretty well on the table too. Its footprint isn't enormous. True. You know, so I, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Good. Okay. Uh, just expect, just right now, just to brace yourself that expansions are coming. Yes. And I'll, I don't know how long we'll I'll follow them. I'll I'm play just some saying. more. I don't know how long. Yeah. But I am going to end up following it. 
that's our playthrough review for this episode. Now, that's something we usually do at the end, and that gets us to our... I guess we're going to do our, our... We're going to award the top 50, aren't we? The top 50. The only 50 that we've done on this show All right. featured. Well, let me get this stinger in here. That's right, Nicole. Welcome to our 50th episode award show, where there's no awards except ranking opinion of the Talk About Board Game hosts when compared to seemingly random assortment of games that they have featured. Here are your hosts, Fred and Nicole. All right, how about that? Oh, yeah, that's very like... nice. <laughs> that's not my music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole, why rank these games? What do you think? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> we needed something, didn't we? Yeah, you know, it's a really busy time of year. We've already mentioned, you know, it's Christmas and all of that. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't been getting my full lunch breaks at work. I've been working overtime, which is ridiculous. So we're not supposed to have overtime. Mm -hmm. And yet I've been getting it. Um, And your job's been stupid because, you know, your your, your job always is (laughs) until you get these weird breaks. Right. So now, I think it seemed easy, guys. Right. I think for me, though, <laughs> truthfully, I, I wanted to do this. And I think for me, it's because every episode we sort of pick a feature game for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the right one for the company that's coming over. Sometimes it's the will of the people. Uh, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, we decide we want to play this one game. But how do these games stand up to each other uh, when when you consider both of us? And do we still play them? is a question you can ask. Now, let's do this by talking about... We'll do this like by the standard, like, talking about the game once it reaches its highest position on one of our lists. So when we do it, if we do it, and, and like, let's say I'm the lowest number, let's say my number 50 is not Nicole's number 50, it's her number 30, we don't talk about my number 50 until we hit 30. Understand, Nicole? Wait, what? You know what I just <laughs> said. How dare you? <laughs> All right, so let's get this going with number 50. <laughs> number 50 Are you going to die on I'm me? Don't so do that. Dying. You're Don't you go here. dying on me. Uh, number 50 is the number... is is The is, 50th uh, one in the... Right, it's, it's higher on Nicole's list, so I don't get to talk about it yet. But mine's higher on your list. Right, and number 49 that yours is? Is higher on your list. Right, and my number 49 is higher on your list. This is going to be stupid. Number 48 on your list. Is higher on your list. Right. Number 48 is higher on your list. So number 47 on your list. I can talk about this one? Oh, yeah. Mine is Harbor. Harbor is number 48 on my list. Okay. Okay. What is it this about is Harbor? This is confusing. No, this is fine. This is just a big list. So what is it about Harbor that you like that, that puts it down there? I mean, this is pretty low on your list. It's really low on mine as well. Like, this is 48 out of 50 was Harbor. 47 out of 50 so was I, Harbor. So, out of the first 50 games we've we done, I only dislike two games more than Harbor. And I dislike three more than Harbor. Right, and Harbor was really recently. <laughs> this is goofy. I think we should just start with number 50 no, and each no, announce no. our number 50. Let's just keep going. We're already Are on this path. Me? Stop messing around. This is just going to confuse. I did a lot of work on this. But this Stop. Is no. Stop. People. Stop it. People are confused. Stop. Stop. What, do you... <laughs> Harbor. We're talking about Harbor. You're talking about something completely different. 
I think it's ironic that it's, it's a lot of times like, you know, ab absence makes the heart grow fonder. So games that we haven't played as recently, we kind of remember back and go, oh yeah, I totally remember that game. Right. And this one we played pretty recently and for it to be that low means it's just out of those top, out of those 50 that we've played, it's just not that good. It's okay. Which this makes is me uh, sad. I like Tasty Minstrel. They're, well, they do really good stuff. But as this I recall, one... this one you wanted on the 5 for 5 list, which be makes it a feature nowadays, uh -huh. because it was a Kickstarter game that we had never played before. Was it a Kickstarter? Yeah, I Kickstarted this game. Oh, jeez. Um, and <laughs> I told you that I had played it with Travis and didn't think much of it, that I thought it was just kind of okay. And so we played it, and it's... It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a real simple resource thing. I mean, as far as pulling out a kind of, you know, you know standard, fair, mechanical kind of resource collecting game, it, it, does, it does a pretty good job of being a pocket-sized version of that. But it's not a super small footprint, really. No. So. And it's nothing stellar either. Mm-mm. So that's Harbor. That's our, that's your number 47, okay, right? Okay, so I need to put a line through that because we've talked right. about that. Now, my number 47 was your number 49, and that is Xeno Shift. Ooh. Xeno Shift is funny because this is a card game. It's a, it's a deck building <coughs> tower defense game. So it's like you've got these this deck of cards that you play machine guns and troops and you know, all this gear and troop cards out of your hand into this little, you know, uh, tableau in front of you. And that becomes what protects your base. And you play in order from one side of your tableau to the other. And we played this as a playthrough review. And I was really looking forward to this game because we like deck building games. And I like co-op games. And we like a legendary aliens, you know, mm -hmm. game. And I was really, ex and people had talked highly about this Xeno uh, Shift game. And it was by Cool Mini or not, so it you know had pretty good production and all that. And this production just, was really nice on it. This really fell flat for us. Yeah. We even won a game of it, and it we still didn't it, make me like it more. We played it. We repeated playing it because uh, we did a rule wrong or something. There was something we were screwing up. We played it on a five for five, I think. Was it a five for five? Well, maybe we did, but we did play it we, five times. Oh no, we did that after the fact. We did the five for oh, five yeah, yeah. after it because we hated it so much. That we thought we needed to give it a better that chance. That we're like, we've got to give it a better chance because there's there's got to be more to this game right. and it just wasn't for us. Yeah. And and, and I can't say it's a terrible game. It just was not for us at all. Right. It's, I don't know. It's just, there's something about it. Something about how the luck plays out in that game that not only are you depending on your draw to be just right out of your deck, but the draw of the enemy cards to be just right out of their deck and just feeling... Like I remember one time I played Castle Panic with a with a, a friend of mine, and he said after the game, I feel like if we had drawn the wrong tokens at the wrong time any time during that game, the game would have been over. This game is absolutely that. It's so hard to to kind of control what's going on in and out of your decks as a both decks. It's impossible, and you just end up feeling like oh I lost because of no nothing I did wrong. Just a victim of circumstances, Which how I felt. Which is weird, because a lot of deck builders are exactly <laughs> like that, and yet they don't give you that same feel. There's there's like a, there's one level of disconnect between the enemies and you and all these other deck building games, like, like uh, for instance, Thunderstone. You don't have to go to the dungeon. You can keep building your deck the next turn if uh -huh. you want. You know? 
There's that disconnect. That perfect. It doesn't just tell you, oh, by the way, you lost. Next turn, I hope you win. Yeah. Oh, you lost next turn too because we didn't give you enough time. This thing has a timed element and it keeps that disconnect away. Like there's no disconnect. So you're constantly being slammed by enemies and it's just not fun. Right. Sorry. Agreed. So that's number 47 on my list. Okay. Uh, 46 on your list. Am I allowed to do that one? Yeah, because we both match up on this. What? <laughs> Our number 46 that we matched up on is New York 1901. Mm -hmm. This is a, uh, it's sort of a space, spatial kind of building game, you know, where you've got these. I thought you were going to say a space game. There were no aliens. No, but there's like these, space, this, these spaces that you're trying to claim a portion of <coughs> in these New York blocks. And you're building buildings, and these buildings take up a certain number of, of space in each of these blocks. Mm -hmm. And you want as many of your buildings facing the streets to get bonus points. And... But you have to, like, match up the colors. Like, you don't play a specific <laughs> color. Um, right. But you do, though, don't you? I don't know. It's, it's, it's I think you had, like, a home color, but then you had to draw, like, get different cards to, to be able to play that color piece into right. the, the city line. Right. And just try and accumulate the most points as a result. It just kind of, this one was like, I, I couldn't really find anything wrong with it, so to speak. It just wasn't fun. It was okay. It was I just mediocre. I had fun with it, but it's just, uh, I think it's such an entry level game. Right. That it really needed to stand out more than it did. Because if I'm going to play that level of game, I'd rather play Ticket to Ride. I'd, I'd rather play... You know, Carcassonne, I'd rather play, which I still don't think Carcassonne's exactly the easiest game because that scoring well, is stupid. I'd play it before this game any day. Of the but week. I would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just something, <laughs> it's just lacking a little something extra right. to put it over the edge to make it like awesome. Right. Another thing about New York 1901 is it's a, it's a city building game. And I never really felt like I was building a city. I never felt like I was building a city. I feel like I'm playing a lame version of Tetris. Right, right. Uh, now, just as we finish up talking about 1901, I just want to let you know that Harbor is on my trade list. Xeno Shift, I traded off to someone already. And New York 1901, I traded off as well. So those are no longer in my collection at all. Right. Uh, that was our 46. What is your 45? My 45 is higher on your list. My 45 is higher on your list. What 40, about your 44? Higher on yours. 44 is higher on yours. 43. Higher on yours. Okay. Uh, 43 is higher on yours as well, which of Salem, which is the next one, 42 is another sync up that we have. What? Both of us crazy. rated it the 42. Now. That was like the third game we played on the podcast, wasn't it? Right. Now, this is this is kind of weird about our podcast. We had recorded like three episodes in the fall before we put our first episode out, which was in February. Mm -hmm. Because I was still trying to get our website ready to go and get a bunch of theme music stuff. And we just were recording out the sessions. parts of it. And... <clears throat> right. And we played this with Matt and Brianna really early. And uh, the... I don't know what it is about this game. It's, it's sort of like a tile-searching game because you're searching for these very specific little symbols in these tiles that are randomized on each of these locations and you're kind of moving around hoping for the right thing to pop up and eventually and if you find the right thing then you close the portal no eventually you go into the other world and then you get to try to close the portal is that what it was yeah well you had to get those little tokens to be able to close the portal in the first place right. Right, and only one person could go into the other world at a time and all kinds of stuff. And there's yeah, this and weird like... doom track where this 
the witch is moving, which is actually a warlock, which I always thought was kind of weird. I know. <laughs> but he's moving along this little track and, and making bad things happen as well. Right. <laughs> but there was something else. Like, there was a rule that, that we all decided and, and we'd actually end up reading that most people just ignore this rule. But when you're trying to close the portals, there's yeah. these little ruin tokens right. that you're not supposed to share that information Right, you're playing like, as a cooperative team, and yeah. whenever you get this information about what opens and closes this gate, it's, it's you secret. have to keep a secret. Everybody That's has stupid. to find it out on their own. As if the game wasn't hard enough, because yeah, we played it's it already way too hard. We played it four times like that night and lost every single time mm -hmm. soundly. And we were sharing information like <laughs> right. we weren't supposed to do. Right. So, uh, which of Salem's still in our collection? I kind of compare it to, uh, this is kind of what I think about it when I think about it. I always think about it like it's a uh, ghost stories type game, but more but fun than ghost really stories. that doesn't really irk me. I know, it's exactly what I was going to say. <coughs> you read my mind. And this is a Cthulhu game, soulmates. too. Even though it's called Witch of Salem, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Salem witch trials at no, all. No, which is what... You're that, playing a man. That's the biggest disappointment. Right, you're playing a man. It is set in that kind of time era, but you're basically trying to tell. defeat Cthulhu. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Witch of Salem are number 42. What about your 41, Nicole? Oh, I'm allowed to talk about it. I, I really don't Are understand. You? I guess Shh, just it's got going. a it's got a We'll talk about fifty games by the end of okay, this. Okay, it's got my initial. So right. Now I'm... your your forty two uh No, is, what's you say? I'm number... sorry, your forty one is my forty nine. Ooh. Okay. My forty one is Portal. Right. This is the, the uncooperative cake game. This cake is acquisition basically game. Basically a mean cake game. It, it's it's a very chessy <coughs> um type game like it's very methodical it's right. not uh, it's extremely mechanical like the theme is ridiculously bad as far as having anything to do with the game the only thing it has to do with the game is is some iconography and it does have the portal spots that you can jump between right you do have these little portal portal spots i don't remember how to control them other than i think they were via card play and you could kind of change where they were. Otherwise, they just kept repeating as as tiles went off and came on. Yeah. Um, I kind of expected that it would be more puzzly because that's what the whole video yeah, game was no about. Yeah, there's no puzzle to this. It's, no. It's very vindictive, you know, against each other game. You are, it, the, the actions you, you make are either score the cake pieces or burn up other people's cake pieces. Right, but you're both test subjects. Mm-hmm. So if one of you were playing GLaDOS and, and being the the computer, I could see being so mean to one another, mm -hmm. or at least one of you being really mean to the right. other. But as it was, there, I mean, even in the two-player version <laughs> in Portal 2, you were trying to help each other, right? Like you had yeah, to help so each other in order to get no through it. There's no motivation for yeah, two test subjects to kill each other. Like the only good part of it was the, the they had the little companion cube mm -hmm. and they had the little turrets. Those those pieces were awesome. Right, and the cake awesome. looked really nice, too. Yeah, the cake was amazing looking. The components were fantastic. But ultimately, you're playing as on far these as rows the plastic of pieces. Tiles. Yeah, the tiles themselves sucked. That you couldn't move very Trying to, well. Yeah, they, they like would interlock like a really horrible puzzle. And it would, and they had to be pulled out and moved all the time. Yeah, which constantly. Which sort of ruined that whole effect. Uh-huh. It just... <clears throat> eh, no... That's why it was my 49th. It was, there's only one game I dislike more than that one. Oh, and we'll get to that later, apparently. Right. <laughs> uh, so that was your that's, 41. That's Portal. Yeah. 
it's, um, it's only worth it as like a collector's piece if you I really, so. really love the video game. I'd say so. The Game-wise, there are so many games better than this. Having said that, it is not on the trade list because of the collectible part right. of it. I just, I, I love the, the pieces of it and the concept of it. So, right. of the, well, the my, video game. My 41 is higher on your list. What about your 40? Higher on yours. 39. higher on yours. 39. Higher on yours. My 39 is higher on yours. 38. Higher on yours. My 38 I get to talk about. Whoa. It is Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game that we just reviewed recently. Okay. So it, where it is 38 on yours, it was a 43 on mine. Okay. Kind of low on my list. <laughs> um, as far as this game goes, I, I think it's, it's a nice adventure travel size solution. I just think that that's what it is to me. If I wanted to pack this into a suitcase to go out of town with me and have something I could play in a hotel room on a card table sized area or even a coffee table sized area, this absolutely fits the bill and you could have a full, it's a pretty full experience for that. Yeah. And I didn't think the campaign was too bad. I do think we picked dud characters, but. Oh, those characters were terrible. <laughs> this and was I'd, our I'd last be, episode. I'd be interested in playing it again with the, like playing the campaign with the other characters. Mm-hmm. But the two we picked were terrible. Right. So that's my number 38 and your number. 43. That's Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, our last episode. Check into episode 49 if you want to hear more about that. <laughs> uh, your number 37. Conquest of Narath. That is my number 50. That's my you least hated favorite that game, game. See, I don't understand that, that. It's so epic and big and I get and so fancy mad. and the parts are I mean, it's amazing it's looking. It's the perfect recipe to make me an angry gamer. Here's the thing. It is it's too much like Risk and you mm-hmm. get really really angry at Risk. Right. There's four different armies, although there's only two teams really. You have to play all four armies, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, It's very Risk style, which if you want to know what Risk style is, just so I can explain it real quick, Risk is defenders have the advantage of tie-breaking, always goes towards them, but attackers get to throw an extra dice. Dice are resolved in order. So, for instance, if I rolled, you always get like, you know, if if I rolled like, in Risk, if I rolled three, you always roll six-sided dice. So if I rolled a five, four, and a three... Uh And then I rolled a four, three, and a two. I would lose, or I mean, a fourth and a three on my uh, defending dice. I would lose automatically because that would get matched up with the highest die versus the highest die, second versus the second. So it would be a five versus a four and a four versus a three. That's just how it works. But if I had rolled a five, if you guys can see the look on my face right now, <laughs> right? If I if I rolled, let's say my attack roll was five, four, and three, and my defense roll was five and four. The defender would kill two attackers. Mm-hmm. This game has the same kind of thing, except you do have different troops and they roll different dice. But in this game, you're only trying to hit a six. So it's more, it's probably a little more like Axis and Allies kind of Oh, feel. see, I've not played that one, so. <laughs> but this but one, what you're, I you're like trying it... to score a certain number on the die, which is a six. And that's the only way you succeed. And you're just at the mercy of horrible rolls. But see, what I like about it is that you do have different troops that each one has a different die roll. Right. Some of them roll a six-sided die. Some of them roll a, like the dragons roll right. a 20-sided die. Yeah, I'm totally into that I part love that. I thought that was so cool. But, All the miniatures are just amazing. Right. Um, the different you have factions um, each have like their own ability cards that they get to use. Right. 
that's cool. You've got the dungeons where you can go find other stuff. I'm not debating that this isn't a good version of this style of game. It's just my least favorite one of the 50 we've played. Ah, man, it's... Uh... Ugh. I mean, the only reason it's not higher on my list is because... And I, well, I'll talk about this when we get to the top of how I how I did my list. Unless There's not about... one game on this list that causes me anger, except for that one. Oh, I love it. That one causes me one. to become furious. It's a good one. And there's no doubt about it, because we played it I'm like, just gonna say, a couple times, okay. and I got mad both times. I'm just going to say right now, because I need to. I feel like, And I'm going to say it again later. The way that I did my list was like a twofold thing. One was, how much did I actually like the game? But the other one, other factor was, if I had to get rid of it, if I could only ever keep one game in my collection, would this be the one? And I had to put that one low because of how much you dislike it. That's why it's lower on my list. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I just said, do I want to play this again? And would I get rid of it? And I would totally get rid of that game. And I don't want to play it ever again. I, I think it's awesome. So there you go. Conquest of Narath. If anybody wants to play Conquest of Narath, then you're going to be in Kansas City. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can have at it. I'll go see a movie. Uh, number 37 on my list is higher on yours. 36. Higher on yours. 36 is higher on yours. 35. Higher on yours. 35 is higher on yours. 34. 34. I had Raptor. Raptor was number 44 on my list. Hmm. We played this in August, I believe, of this year. I don't know what episode it was. I don't know. It was like, it was like the first one, I think. Was it the first one of our five for fives? It was matter. one of the first five for five reviews. <laughs> this is a, like, a small miniature game. That it, it travels really well. It's got little, like little tiny miniatures of raptors. One person plays raptor mother and her babies. The other one plays scientists trying to capture raptors. Right. Surprisingly, there's there's way more scientists than there are raptors. <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> the like raptors had of, to be genetically. Scientists. It produced. doesn't say that anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> They, um, they found it in some amber and this one you use like you uh this is another one of these ones that has those those numeric selection games where you're playing cards sort of like uh citadels or mission red planet mm-hmm. or you know the games like that where you have these card these numeric cards or uh libertalia is another one that has that where you're playing a card out of your hand of cards and it has a certain number on it and if yours is the highest number or the lowest number or whatever it is you get to go first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you can do is shut the other player down by going before them. Right. <clears throat> and eventually you have to play a card that gets you cards back or whatever. I don't even know. But the, That uh, one was a little special because it was either you, um, you got your special power or you could move that many spaces or something, wasn't it? Like I if can't. you were if you were first, then you got the power that was on the card. If you right. were second, then that was the number of of actions that you received. And actions right. were like, were you gonna, you know, right? And powers eat a became way more powerful or... as they went down in numbers or up in numbers. Right, whichever way it was. I think it was like the so lower it... got to go first and the higher got to go last. And as it went down to those numbers, because you would get more actions mm-hmm. if you were like second place. If someone played a nine and you played a ten, you'd get ten actions, which is a ton of actions. It only went up to nine. Something like that. Or was it, it was the difference between the two. Someone would have to play a one and you'd have to play a 10 on the same turn. In order right. To all and those then you get like nine actions. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun game. It. It was there's fun, there's more it's than a good one, one level of strategy in this game. This game's mm-hmm. there's no reason to get rid of it. It's fun. And it's a nice filler. Oh, nice yeah. filler. Good travel game. Great Plays travel solid. Game. 
lots of lots of little strategy and, and tactics and stuff in it and gives mm-hmm. you a nice full experience in about 30 minutes mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty quick raptor's solid i, I don't mind it at all yeah um, it's just not it's not deep enough for me to put it higher on the list is basically what it was for me right right uh Number 33 on, well, Mine. number sorry, number 34 on my list is higher on yours. Number 33. Is higher on yours. <clears throat> I get to talk about my number 33 because it is WWE Superstar Showdown. Okay, well, that one, what is it on yours? 33? Yes. It was number 45 on my list. <clears throat> now, and that's purely theme. This one, I don't care. This one's like a rock, scissor, paper, lizard. <laughs> Spock. No, just oh, the lizard Just part. the lizard. <laughs> If you remember, there was like there was like striking and grappling and something else, and then there was like a slam, and that was what was so fun is when those slam cards had come out, they were so funny, yeah, because they would sort of trump everything else. But a slam with a slam would cancel each other out, and you'd have to play another card out of your hand, and it was just that that game was I thought was pretty fun, and it combined that little mechanic. With a like little miniature game that you're using in the middle of this little ring and stuff, and the board was pretty good. And mm-hmm. <laughs> my biggest complaint about that is it needed a lot more miniatures and it needed a little more dynamics, like to maybe echo what wrestling does right now, which is stuff like you know ladder matches and there just seemed like there should have been an expansion that introduced more stuff like you know ladders and tables. Well, if and it had chairs done better, there might have been an expansion. It should have done better. Shame on all of you. It's buy just that game. the theme. <laughs> well, honestly. Another reason that one's so low on my list is because who are we going to play it with? Other than the people we already played it with. We played it with uh, Travis and... Travis would play it any uh, day of the week. And Lucas, Lucas, his son, has asked if he can come over and play that several times in the last year. Right. Like he's looking forward to playing it again. But can you imagine Angela wanting to play that game? No. Maybe Angela, actually. I know. Never mind. That was silly. (laughs) But like... You know, like Matt's not going to want to play I, I it. I stand by it as the 33rd because I, I, I honestly really had a good time with it. I think it's still a fun game and it yeah. still stands out as fairly unique in in our collection upstairs. Yeah. I don't have anything else that plays like that. I definitely don't have a wrestling game that even compares to that. Yeah. And I looked at a video of that that Lucha Libre dice game and that doesn't even come close. Get that I, out yeah, of here. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think it looks as much fun. No, get it out of here. It's... It's stink compared to this. You don't even know that. You I know it. that. All right. That's <laughs> WWE Superstar. Okay. Uh, number 32 on your list. Uh, number 32 is Power Grid. Number, number 32 on her list, Power Grid, was number 45 on my list. I knew it was going to be pretty low on your list. It's... I, I need to play the German side. And, you know, that's the other thing that I thought about it, too. <laughs> because the... Uh, you know, it, it's higher on my list than I thought it was going to be. But partly of that is, is is such a classic. Right. But then also, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. We never have gone back and played the other side. The American side of the board sucks because if you don't get the East Coast, you're probably going to lose. Right, because everything's so compact in, in the East Coast game. and so easy to get to. Mm-hmm. It's completely unbalanced for anyone out West. If you're out West, you've lost the game already. Mm-hmm. Just Just quit. Right. Just go, oh, I got the West Coast. Uh, I concede. Yeah. Have a good game, guys. Yeah. And leave. Because it's, pointless. it's just, yeah, there's, it's too expensive to, to succeed, basically. <laughs> so I still would like to try it again on the other side, and I'm right. not ready to get rid of it because I'm it's, not getting rid of it yet. I almost put it on a classic. trade list. But I keep thinking about this, that auction for those power plants and the options that come out of that deck, all the variables, you know, and the different resources they use. I love 
how the resources come mm -hmm. out and become available in that in that uh, little track at the bottom mm -hmm. where certain stuff becomes, you know, more scarce early, but it's cheap when it is available. You know, like coal is mm -hmm. really available, but coal's the last thing to come out once a lot of resources get bought up. Because right. it builds back from the right side to the left. <laughs> so I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's a great game as far as that part goes. It's just so severely unbalanced right. on the American side That's of the board. A, my negative things are the American side is unbalanced. And, and you, we haven't and tried the other side. As a United so States know. citizen, you want to play it so bad on the United <laughs> States side. I know. Uh, We're very self-centered. <laughs> it's very long. It lasts somewhere around two and a half to three hours for a four-person game. Was it that long? Yes. Wow. It was a really, really long game. Um, on top of it, trying to make a comeback in this game, once you've had a mistake or had something not quite go the way you need, is nearly impossible. And you will spend hours of that game in last place going, yay, I'm having so much fun continuing to lose this game every turn. You can actually screw yourself to where you cannot win right. on that game. I did that. I, right. already, I realized like three turns out from the end, right. there's no possible way for me to... And then you just have to go to... through the pantomime of playing this game, even right. though the game's already over. Yeah, you know you've lost. There's, <laughs> there was no way I could win. So I, didn't, it does I wasn't have able that. to get enough points. That is yeah. a possible fault of it as well. I'm right. sure if you're a master level player of this... It's intensely interesting all the time. Yeah. So that's... We will never be those people. <laughs> no. no. What, what number was that? 32? That was 32. Okay. My 32 is higher on your list. 31. Okay. My 31 is Concordia. Concordia was number 40 on my list. Huh. Concordia was a game Daniel brought over. We never owned this game. No, I would like to play it again, though. I, <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Right. I thought it was a really cool resource collecting, uh, you know, area control kind of game because you could get... Everybody, it's like three people could control one area, but wasn't it one of those things again, like Power Grid, where it cost more to control it every other person that came up? Right. Um, <clears throat> it. Uh, but it didn't. I don't know. It, it there was a, nothing really unbalanced about that, except your knowledge base. People that have played it a few times, en enough times to recognize the cards, were at a distinct uh, advantage in that game because right. the different car cards would give you powers that. I'd say you the card is know, the imbalance. Right. That's, you know what you need. You know if this card comes out at this particular point in the game and you're familiar with it and you buy it, you've got really good odds of winning. Well, on top of that, the cards come out randomly in this card track that become increasingly expensive as you go. To, the older the card is, the cheaper it is. Mm -hmm. And if the right card comes out at the right time and you keep your money up high, you can buy it right when it hits the market. Nobody even gets a chance to get that card. And it's just completely luck that you got it in the first place, mm -hmm. which swings that game really hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. But beyond that, everything else is very, very balanced about this game. Right. But I think that that's, I, it was just a really everything cool is resource collecting. Uh, the variety on it, like there are, you're never going to have the same game twice no because way. even putting the resources on the board, it's random, right? Which is cool. <laughs> the, uh, also the scoring had a very felled feel. Oh yeah. Where everything oh, just wow. seemed to come out of the woodwork. Everybody had these cracks and crevices that they hid points in mm -hmm. and we're just like, Oh, by the way, I had this card too. And I had three of those. So I get 15 more points and you're like, this is bonkers. Mm -hmm. How many points are we going to score? And that's how a Feld game feels almost every single time. So that's yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like you're going to be able to math it out too far in <laughs> advance on right. that. That's Concordia, and that was your number... That was my 31? 31. My 31 is higher on your list. Your number 30. Uh, Stone Age. Stone Age was number 36 on my list. That's not too big a difference. Nope. Stone Age is 
Just, I, I think it's a, a worker placement classic, and I really like the fact that it has dice in it. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I, I, there's almost no worker placements with dice. I can't think of another one with dice. Because you do roll resources randomly in this game. Yeah. You play as cavemen. There's almost no caveman game out, caveman-themed games out there. Or Ugtech, which we never <laughs> I played. I said almost none. I did think of Ugtech when I said <laughs> that. Um, but there's not very many caveman games out there, and this one just gives you like the sense of I'm going to be a tribe leader and build my little tribe, and mm-hmm. and you get to build build little special buildings in your tribe and collect resources and feed people and gain workers and have babies and you know mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's a fun game. I think it's solid in all ways. I really do. I think it's solid, but here's the thing. Like we even got the uh, the iOS version of it, right? And yet, it's not really prevalent in my brain. Like, I even played it several times, <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, "How did that go?" It's it's not memorable. It's okay. It's fine. It's a fine game, but there's nothing specifically memorable about it other than. <laughs> I would I would say, <clears throat> if you compare it to Lords of Waterdeep, it's probably a bit vanilla. Comparatively, I love Lords of Lords of Water. Right, but I'm just comparison. saying, if you compared it to that, that's probably a bit more vanilla than that mm-hmm. is, like a little less flavor. Mm-hmm. But it's just a nice, solid worker placement game with a little bit of dice in it, and it's not that hard to score at the end of the game. And it's a nice entry level one. It's a definite entry level so game. So yeah. that's why I think it's really good for. Okay, that was my thirty and my what, thirty. I can. What talk was your? About. What was your? What what number was it on yours? That Stone was. Age? I'm sorry, I crossed it out. Um, that was number 36 okay. on mine. My number 30 is Mage Knight, the board game. <laughs> What'd you rate Mage Knight, the board game? 48. So you did not like this game. I can't <laughs> say that. It was actually a little bit higher on my list. Um, and I ended up, you know, moving it down Right. again, based on that. If it were the only game I could have on my collection, would I want this to be it factor? And I don't know that I would because it's just, who am I going to play that with? Good grief. You play it by yourself. I don't want to play a game by myself. It's horrifying. That's fine. It's just a boring event. (laughs) So I do that. I will play a game by myself because I'll get thrown out of town by myself in a hotel room. And I pull out a game like Mage Knight and I have a whole evening with with a delivered pizza Mm -hmm. and Mage Knight. And I just have a fine time. And I will be at home playing a video game. But here's game. the thing about that is that the I think that from a solo standpoint, it's a really unique adventure, and it's done it's done so cleverly, cleverly and mechanically. I just I I really really like it. Just how it feels to play that. It's it's a deck building adventure game where you move around and you kind of you could do all the stuff you can do in any other adventure game. Mm-hmm. It's got a big open world. You can. You can kill dragons. You can attack castles. You can explore crypts. You can go to monasteries and and get, you know, destroy mage towers and get spells and recruit troops. And it's just there's so much in this game. It's got a night phase and a and a day phase where different spells happen at different times. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's just so much going on. It's Mm -hmm. really there is so much going on. Right. It is really dense, and it's only. I'm I'm telling you, it's made for people who are going to play a game by themselves and want a nice full experience to do it. Yeah, and if if you're a solo gamer, I highly recommend it because, I mean, it is a good game. I agree with everything you just said, but I am not a solo gamer. I have no desire to do that, so it's really low on my list. What's so shocking about this game to me 
is that it came from the makers of Heroclix. It came from WizKids mm-hmm. Games is who released it. But then you find out who designed it, Vlada Shavadl, or Chavadl, and, and you're like, yeah, that's going to be dense. Mm-hmm. Because that's he, he does that's party he games does. and dense games. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Mage Knight, the board game, my number 30. Nicole's number 48. 48, uh, yes. What's your number 29? My number 29 is Sentinels <laughs> of the Multiverse. Right. And now this is the last time we sync up on our list. I can't believe we synced up on that one. Right. I think it would be higher on your list. It's faded a bit. Yeah. We'll talk about that. The <laughs> Sentinels of the Multiverse is a superhero co-op game, kind of like Marvel Legendary, but you don't deck build in this game. You right. have pre-built hero decks. You have a hero with a number of hit points. Everybody has a different hero that has different hit points and different special abilities and a different deck of cards. Now, this makes for a pretty fun little, you know, uniqueness. Everybody feels pretty unique because you're not sharing the same cards and not dipping into the same pool. Like, I play Marvel Legendary with Nicole, and I still go, oh, great, you bought the card I was going to buy on next turn, you know? And I still feel like that. I still get that (laughs) worker placement, you stole my move kind of feeling. Uh That doesn't happen in this game, which is nice. That plays really strongly in its favor. <laughs> so it's basically a superhero co-op matrix card game. Because not only do you have your own hero decks, villains have their own decks, and you also have location decks. Mm-hmm. And so you mix a superhero team together of all the players. Everybody picks out their their player and their, gets their decks and shuffles them up. You pick a location, and you pick a... Uh, a super villain to go against and then you all start to play this against the super villain and they did something really neat in this game which is they alter the attacks of the super villain based on how many players so it'll be like it'll say h plus one and that means the number of heroes of the table plus one so if you're yeah. playing it by yourself which you can do that would be a two if you played it with four people that would be a five right whatever the number that is the number of wounds yeah it costs. scales really well <laughs> it's it's a really good game. It has lots of expansion. Yeah. Okay. And it's so much variety because yes, not only can you play the the different heroes against the different villains, but mm. then when you add in those locations, I mean, it's just unbelievable how much variety you can get thrown in right. there. <laughs> now and you can also find that some of them don't work well against others. Right. Now, this still has that same kind of feel like Xenoshift, but remember when I said there's a disconnect? Mm-hmm. You have to have that separation point. The separation point in this game is is that I'm not fighting my own track of aliens, mm-hmm. I'm, and everybody else is fighting their own track of aliens. We're collectively fighting something. So the mitigation, the little separation point is everyone gets to deal with that problem before the villain gets to do their phase again. Right which really makes it balance out a lot better and mm-hmm. not make you feel like you're just being kicked when you're down. <clears throat> I think usually. this game's a great game. It's, it's, at this point, it's grown a little long in the tooth for me because this is one of these ones that I've played too many times. You've played it a lot. Right, because for a while, this was like probably my, one of my favorite games in my collection, like right. in my top five. Uh, it's number 29 or not, on my list and number what on yours? 29. That was our meetup. That's right. That's Sentinels of the Multiverse, a superhero Matrix game. If you haven't played this, you might as well check it out. If you like superheroes and, you know, kind of thinky card games, there's no reason not to check this out. It's Mm -hmm. it's a really good game. Um, However, I also recommend getting the app for it. It's free, right? Or is it like a dollar? Might be a dollar. dollar. Um, Totally worth a dollar. Totally worth probably like $2. Right. um, Just to keep track of the hit points and stuff. It makes it so much easier. Right. Um, number 28. 
All right, what do you got? It's higher on your list. Really? Yeah. 28 is higher on your list. 27? Okay. Uh, number 27, Discworld. Oh, Discworld. Pork. Right, that was number 39 on my list. This is another game we don't own and that Daniel does. <coughs> what do you like about Discworld, Nicole? I just thought it was kind of an interesting game. We don't have one really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like an area control worker placement. Right, it's a Martin Wallace game. Yeah, but it's a good Martin Wallace game. It's better than a few acres of snow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like it, it. I don't know. It, it's been a long time since we played it, so I don't remember a lot of the details about it, but I, I really enjoyed... I don't care about the theme on it because I've, I've, I don't know much about the, the Discworld world i know there was a video game yeah I don't, it and it based has, on like book series isn't it, it it has that kind of whimsy almost like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right which is another one that, <coughs> that i know there's a couple jokes from it that i you know people ask me a question can i ask you a question and i'll just blurt out 42 because i know that that's what the answer is but i don't remember why it's in the book it's like the answer to everything they just said some really smart math guy figured that out one time right yeah and i understand like there's a babble fish that people stick it in your ear Right. And it translates everything. Okay, fine. Right. <laughs> but it's not my it's not my thing. So but what does this have to do with Discworld? That's what that's I'm just saying. It's like you said it was like kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide. What I remember about this is that you were controlling areas, and when you controlled an area, you got a bonus. And if you could stack more than one of these bonuses together on a single turn, you were doing really well. Mm-hmm. And you were constantly invading other people's territories and blowing up their stuff and sabotaging them and knocking their guys out of the area. Yeah, and you were kind of like attacking them. And, and... <laughs> remember, you couldn't attack. You had to remove them from the area right. somehow. And it was just, it was pretty clever, I think, in its card play, how to, how to you know, kind of manage these areas and, and control this this board and at some point, they get the game ends and you score whoever controls the most zones. And... Right. And the cards were kind of entertaining, <laughs> even despite the fact that I'm not very familiar with the world right. of Discworld. Right. So, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I would play it again. Um, I'm not, not going to seek it out, but I, I think it was yeah, fun. Yeah, but I had a really good time. Like, if Daniel brought it over again, I would totally play it again. That was my 39 and your... Uh, my 27. Right, your 27. Now, my 27 is higher on your list, so your 26... Is higher on yours. My 26 is higher on yours. Your 25. Is higher on yours. My 25 is not Mission Red Planet. Oh, where was that? Oh, that was my number 33. Right. My 25 or 33 is Mission Red Red Planet. <coughs> I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about um, playing, uh, which one was it? Uh, which one was I talking cards. about? Huh? Oh, Raptor. Raptor, right. This has that same kind of mechanic where you have these um, these role selections and they do stuff like and up front. What they're doing is like putting guys on rocket ships uh, and then you're launching onto Mars. Well, your guys start in this rocket bay and they get loaded on ships and they eventually get to the board where you're going to try to area control. And the board has different bonuses that are randomized at the start of the, the game on all of these regions. And it's just kind of a fun way to area control. Now we found, I just think it's neat because you do these role selections. So obviously certain effects go off. Like one of them is like blow up somebody's craft with people on it. Right. And you blow up all their astronauts and they're removed from the game. So those guys don't get to ever land on Mars or do anything. They get <laughs> high schools named like after that. them. All right. There's a bunch of effects like that. Some of them, one of them's like load two guys and take off immediately. It's just fun. So you have this rocket ship launching effect, and then you also have the move this guy from this territory to that territory effect. 
and you're moving around there and you're trying to collect the highest points and you're jockeying for position and you're gaining bonus points at the Why end. Are you I'm sorry, it's, I'm, I'm exhausted. You're gaining bonus points that uh, <laughs> do. Sorry. <laughs> you do this, you get these <laughs> bonus points every single round and they keep compounding as you go along. So the, the, the one, one big complaint I had about it was the scoring in my version of the game, which has been, which has been remedied, I think, in the latest version, is outrageous. Yeah. There's not enough tokens to keep track of it and we were like struggling to figure out what was going on. Right, but we have the older version. Right. Uh, the newer one gets rid of that problem and we were only playing three people and you can play like five on there. So it's mm-hmm. like... We weren't even close to the maximum, you know, and they're they're already running out of chips. Right. So, uh, no, I really liked Mission Red Point. I thought it was a fun way to do area control and that level of, of you know, that, that, that way that you land on the planet with the rocket ships and how you put guys onto the planet kind of randomly and it's a little chaotically made it a little more interesting mm. for me. What do you think? I, I like it. I mean, it was fine. <clears throat> right. You're like, I don't like it very much. What was your number? It, comparative, mine was 33. Okay. Um, with that, talking about that card system, yeah. I'd rather play Libertalia than Mission Red Planet. If you put the two in front of me, I would definitely play Libertalia. I probably would too. I, th- I just think it's a better game. But we didn't play Libertalia on this list. I know, exactly. But that doesn't mean <laughs> I can't compare the two. All right, tough girl. Uh, you're number 24. Right to 24 is Dice Town. Oh, Dice Town for me was number 34. Huh. Ten spots below yours. See, I like Dice Town. I mean, I think that one's a, a good <laughs> entry-level game. Um, you're rolling dice that are going to represent, like, poker hands. Right. Um, but it's not exactly poker hands. It's just got, like, the same numbers, like your Jack, Queen, King, Ace, right. Ten, and something else. Wasn't something else on there? <laughs> Jack, nine. Queen, King, Ace. I thought it was like was a... Was it Nine, Ten? Yeah, yeah nine, it was Nine, Ten, ten. King, Queen, Ace. There you go. They're poker dice. Right, they're poker dice. And they're the same poker dice you can get anywhere. They're just poker dice. But you shake them up and you hide them and then, you know. That's what that's the part that, that about this game that is, that is cool. Okay, first of all, the theme, very accessible for anyone who doesn't game. Okay, so you don't have to be into the Lord of the Rings. You don't have to like Star Trek. And you can, you'll definitely be familiar and not like shy away from... Were cowboys playing poker dice. Right. No one's going to shy away from that or feel like they're not cool enough. enough or that they don't understand it enough to play it. Right. Okay? Everyone understands those concepts. <laughs> the they other thing poker is... poker championships on ESPN, for right. crying out loud. The other thing is it's got a really high toy factor. Mm-hmm. You get these neat little cups that you get to shake your dice in. You get to make lots of noise. You got these poker dice. You got little gold nuggets. You got, you know, you got little money and stuff that looks cool. You know, it's got paper money, and the paper money is not terrible. No, it's not bad. So, I mean, and, and it's it's a fun little game. I uh-huh. don't know. I think it's... Although, didn't we use our poker chips for it last time? Probably. I don't probably. know. Probably. We always use our poker chips. But, yes, yeah, uh, super fun little game. Uh, totally a nice little buffer game, something to get you to the next big game or just around out of yeah, night. Yeah, because it's not a super long game, right. even with four players... Uh, which can it play? It can play more than it can do five, can't it? I believe so. I think so. We've only ever played it with four, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it does all that really easy, and people will definitely play it. Mm-hmm. So twenty-four on my list, and what thirty-four you say? on mine. Okay. Uh, You're twenty-four. Twenty-four is Mage Wars Academy for me. I'm going to talk about that. Oh, that was down at thirty-five on mine. Right. <laughs> so I, I've talked about before on here that I like Mage Wars. Mage Wars is a 
you get a big board with this, you know, gridded off board. It's like got nine spaces on it or something like that, or 12 spaces on it. And you get to move, you know, play cards down into these little sectors of this board and you move around. You summon, you're, you're playing two mages, just like Magic the Gathering. You're summoning creatures. They're landing on the board. You're, you're doing, and, and you're going even a step further where you're summoning walls to protect certain areas and you're summoning... Thorns trees that gain you more magic and you're you know and the coolest thing is is you have these spell books that you get to draw cards out of when you want them not when they come up randomly that's the most fun part is you actually have this deployable army of spells or list of spells that can be used at any time as long as you have the magic to cast it and that part's cool right um and and that's that's mage knight the board game this is mage knight the card game which throws the board out the window and just let, leaves you with a spell book and some dice and you play cards down in front of you and those are considered in play. And it still has the same mechanics, but you're playing as if you were in, you're all in the same sector on one of the Mage Knight spaces or Mage War spaces on the, uh, on the board. Right. So that's how the entire game plays and you're just sort of like head to head dice chucking at each other. And that's the main thing that it does different than Magic the Gathering which is it adds dice in so that no, you know that chaos, chaotic kind of thing is in there where even the toughest creature could fall on any given turn, which keeps it kind of interesting rather than just, I know how to get my big card out early and defeat your whole deck. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's why I like it. And this is the small, quick travel version of it, and it plays, I think, pretty well. It's, it's not nearly as fun as the big game to me personally but i think it's it's still a pretty good time and you beat me four out of five games and didn't I still we discover that. that the books don't fit in the box or something though <laughs> no they do they do mm-hmm. okay never mind i'm thinking of something else then right and you you actually beat me four out of five times on our five or five awesome. and i still say it's my 24th favorite of our 50th <laughs> of our 50 that we've done and i say it's number 35 everybody's allowed to be crazy sometimes <laughs> uh you're 23 is higher on your list uh, my 23 is higher on your list. 22. Higher on your list? 22 is higher on your list. 21. Is higher on your list. 21 is higher on your list. 20. My number 20 is Don't Turn Your Back. Well, Don't Turn Your Back on my list was number 43. Wow, you really hated that game. I didn't hate it. I just think that it needed something more. What is it about it? Go ahead and talk about I it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun, <laughs> fun game with just the two of us. But then we actually did play it with Matt and Brianna, and I thought it was just as fun, if not more so. Although parts of it, like they like that, were important in the two-player game, didn't seem as important in the four-player game. Like the number of spaces, like it had the, uh, I think it was like the high school, right? In the two-player game, there's limited spaces on each of those spots, right? And I don't think that one was very important in the four-player game <laughs> as compared to the two-player game. You were able to get more points off of it. Well, especially the city slumbering up top. City Slumbering was the one where you had like, a, where, that's where you generated all your little points to buy other cards with or whatever. Right. And those were very limited in the two-player game, and they didn't quite. It seemed like the the balance of the cards changed it for people, and people weren't constantly needing the same space as much. Right. I don't know why, but that's just how it kind of turned out. Yeah, the balance was a little mm-hmm. off on it. But um, this game is is it's a card game. It's a deck builder. You're build you each have your own deck that you're going to build cards from. They're going to come up randomly, but technically you're dealing with the same stack of cards yeah, everybody that's has available the exact to same everybody. Stack. That's what it was. And that... they can't steal your cards because no. they don't get to dip out of your deck. Mm-mm. Your deck is your deck. 
And so, and you're, you're available to purchase <laughs> deck is yours. But each card had several, <coughs> several different, several different things that could be used for, like right. based on the spots on the board. So one card may be able to be used in these three different spots on the board, whereas right. the, this other card might be able to be used in two of those spots, but not the other one, but then it can be used in a different, an, a fourth spot, you know? Um, right. And that was kind of interesting. It the, yeah. What was lacking in it was variety because the card decks were not very big and they did not vary at all between the, the opponents. Right. There's no uniqueness between anyone. They're right. All, you're all the same. You have a different a- avatar picture on your cards, but it means nothing. But who nothing. cares? It doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> and the tokens had the, the, you had like your orange, purple, green, and other green. Which is dumb. <laughs> right. And uh, what I remember about this is that in this game, you're basically building this deck and you're also ditching cards. So you cull your deck, which is the most fun part of this. You love to gain, culling your deck. To gain victory points, you get rid of cards. Uh-huh. But only certain cards, the, the higher the point of the cards, the more points you get at the end. And if and the more cards, you, if you're the one who scored the most cards or, or got rid of the most cards, you get the highest bonuses at the end. Right. For the cards that you did get rid of or the cards that are still in your hand. Isn't that how it was? Yeah, because yes. the, the wax you deck, only... you, just, you, you yeah. just threw those away afterwards after you added up to see who had given the most encased people to the wax king. Right. So, I, I don't know. It was okay. I thought it was a little different. It's not like any other game that it's we okay. have, that's for sure. The artwork was kind of meh. I'll give it up. It's creepy. I'll give this for it. I, I know I could play that in five seconds right out of the box. I know the rules. Yeah. They're so simple, it's it's almost it, ticket to ride It takes like two-minute refresher, you know? and that's yeah. about it. Right. So, that's that's one thing I'll say really positive about it. Yeah. And that was which one for you? Uh, for me, it was number 20. Okay. My number 20 is Dead of Winter. That wasn't too far below. That one was a 23 for me. Right. So Dead of Winter is this uh, hit from like a year ago or whatever. And the point of Dead of Winter is that you're a bunch of survival people that are the people that are survivors of this zombie apocalypse that has hit. And you're all holed up inside of like a building in the middle of town and you don't have all the supplies you need. So you have to go out and scavenge for more supplies every turn and try to meet some sort of qualify, you know, some sort of other requirement every turn. Yeah. That it gives you randomly. And like on you top might have of to that, get gas right. to run the generator or whatever. To clear the toilet. Whatever. But the uh huh. <laughs> here's the deal. You uh what they do in this game though that makes it unique is they give everyone some secret agenda, which is usually like stockpiling stuff that you should be giving to other people something along those lines that would make you seem shady and they throw in the possibility that one of you may be completely against the group succeeding and trying to destroy the group. And they, they don't, you don't know who's the betrayer and everybody's got something that makes them seem like they would be. That kind of works and it's kind of crappy at the same time. Yeah. Because if you are the betrayer you're automatically pointing at yourself all the time because you're going to lose the game if you don't. Right. And the game's set up like that. Right. I get in this situation, though, when I played it, where I felt like it basically sets you up to lose as the player, and it also sets you up to lose as the betrayer. Like, neither one of you are likely to win. And I bet that more often than not, this game ends with everyone losing, which is how we ended our game. Yeah, but that's and the you know good co-op. You should lose more often but than you win. But this isn't a co-op. This is a one versus many. Not really. It is not because necessarily. Of betray- well, p- 
it's it's very likely. Yeah, but it's not necessarily. Right. All right. So that's that's supposed to be the intrigue is it might be a co-op. It might not be. Mm-hmm. But everybody's going to screw each other over just because that's how the game's designed. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, eh, it's fun enough, but it's not great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's why it's number 23. It's about middle of the road. I feel like I have to keep it because Matt really likes it. He really does like it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. <clears throat> Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. my number 20. What's your number 19? Uh, it's higher on your list. My number 19 is Above and Below. Okay, that was number 22 on my list. Okay, that was both pretty close. Yeah, pretty uh, close. Above and Below is a somewhat, it's it's a somewhat mediocre, <laughs> like mechanically kind of driven game, <laughs> like little city or like little village building game. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of mediocre. It's just kind of okay. As far as the worker placement part goes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's just okay. But then they then they add in this adventure book that's reminiscent of like Police Precinct or Tales of Arabian Nights, and you end police up Police Precinct. I mean, Agents of Smirsh. Police didn't Police Precinct have that in there too? And have a book? Yeah. No. Okay, Agents of Smirsh. Never mind. You don't even know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm ridiculous. You're okay. ridiculous. So reminiscent of, of Agents of Smirsh and, and a Tales of Arabian Nights, it has this storybook inside of there, mm-hmm. and you get to uh, go through it and have these little mini adventures. Mm-hmm. And it com- it gives the game uh, just leagues of theme kind of added back in, whereas before it was just kind of like, eh. You know? Where you don't mind the mediocrity of the work right. replacement. I, it, it makes it okay. Right. I, I Somehow. Because com- I would completely pass on this game if, if, it, if it didn't have that storybook. Right. But with that, it makes it a lot of fun. Right. It takes it to like a different, it adds that one little, you know, twinge of uniqueness that makes you go, eh, I might as well keep that game. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it takes it from, eh, pass to, eh, pretty good. Yeah. You know? I'd, I'd play that again. Yep, and I mean, all you're doing is you're doing worker placement. You have these certain types of little workers. They can do certain things. You're either building buildings, gaining more workers, or going on adventures, and you're scoring bonus points at the end for buildings and your reputation and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Fun little game. Above and below my 19. My 22. Your 18. Uh, is higher on your list. My 18's higher on yours. Your 17. Is Dungeon Pets. Dungeon Pets on my list was number 18, one step down. Oh, that's not too bad. Right. And what do you like about Dungeon Pets? <laughs> Considering it's, how um, our recorded session goes, I'm surprised that this is this high on both of our lists. So go oh, ahead. honestly, it was just because Matt was a ding-dong and doesn't understand. Whoa. Oh, my Matt gosh. Matt listens. I don't care. Matt, you're a ding-dong. Oh. Come on, he's a Twinkie at best. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a Chocodile. Chocodiles have been (laughs) ruined. Ruined. Anyhow, um, Dungeon Pets, I... I, it's a cool worker placement. I enjoyed it. It's got so many different things that you can do to try and earn points. Um... It's just... (laughs) But I don't feel like... I, I feel like you would have to play that game a heck of a lot to master it because there's so many different avenues of getting the points. But I like the concept of, of growing your little pets and, mm-hmm. and having to sell them off before they get too old. And some people are going to buy them, but they're only going to buy them if they do these certain things. It's just got it's, a it's, lot going on. Uh-huh. Because you're, you're, you know, you're, it's a worker placement game. It's got one of those very active boards, just like Dungeon Lords did. This is another Almost Vlada Almost too game. active right. on that. This is Vlada Cavadal again. And here's the thing about this is that uh, you get these little eggs and they hatch into little monsters 
the little, and, and you put them in pins and you keep them and they become increasingly tough to keep and eventually you sell them to the right people who may show up and may not show up and you compete them in little show contests. Mm -hmm. uh, you also, like I said, you sell them as well and there's like all these little modifiers and stuff that you're trying to manage to get the most points by selling it to just the right guy at just the right time and showcasing him right when you get the double point modifier and paying off judges to increase your placement in there yeah. and getting just the right cage to contain him once he hits level five and gets that lightning ability or whatever. You and know? you get to make lots of poop jokes. Right. And, and each of the animals poop in there and you're trying <laughs> and you to shuffle your cages around and clean that stuff up. Because poop will make them angry. Right. And all this surrounding a bid mechanism where you bid imps to be the next person to get to play, you know, in turn order is done on a bidding system mm -hmm. that Matt does not like at all. I thought that part was cool. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, so Dungeon Pets is, it's very dense, very meaty, but it's a great game. Yeah. You can just tell when you're playing it, you're like, no, this is a, this is a really good game. It's a really cool game. It's right. a real pain to try and explain to people though. Right. So that was that's your why it's number 17. 17. Uh, my number 17 is higher on your list. Okay. Uh, my number 16 is Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica was 28 for me. Mm, you didn't like that one so much, huh? Whatever. <laughs> it's not in the top half. No, it's not. It is on mine. Um, and again, it's one of those games that we played it that one time, and it's been a long time, so I don't remember a lot of the details about it. I just know I really want to play it again. Here's what's funny is our copy has not has been opened but not played because we played Daniel's copy of the game. Oh, didn't yeah. We? Or did oh. he play our copy? I thought we played our, our Either copy. Either way, he taught us how to play it, mm -hmm. and it's his favorite game, one of his favorites, if not his favorite. And, I don't uh, think it's his favorite. I thought Cosmic Encounter was his favorite. Maybe that's what it is, yeah. I think so. Uh, Terra Mystica is dense and big, to say the least. It is a territory control game. Mm -hmm. There's unique factions. Every faction is based on some sort of fantasy cliche, you know, or type. Which is fine. Which is fine. Uh, you each have your own abilities and, you know, bonuses and stuff like that based on who you are. Uh, you are playing to try to score the most points by the end of the game by controlling areas and doing the right kind of things based on this little bonus track of tiles, you know, that get you bonuses each turn if you have some certain requirement fulfilled, etc. And it's there's a ton of game in this box. Mm -hmm. There's a magic system where you're moving little magic beads from here to this next little circle to this other thing so that you can use them to generate extra stuff. And you have like everything must go kind of liquidation towards the end where you just buy all this stuff and try mm -hmm. to bonus yourself like crazy. And there's multiple tracks that you're going up and down on to get bonus points. There's a lot to this game. There's a whole lot to this game. And it's dense. It's big. But, but it's, it's cool. worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, I still like Terra Mystica. It's, it's, yeah, it's 28 on my list. But I mean, honestly, I'm not going to kid you that, that we like all these games. So once it hit about... Once it hit about a, above 40 and above, I pretty much like everything, <laughs> <laughs> just to tell you. So 28 for me was Terra Mystica and your... My number 16. <clears throat> My number 16 is higher on your list. You're 15. My 15 is King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo was number 27 on my list. Wow. What? Some of these are surprising me how far down they are on your list, especially King of Tokyo, <laughs> because that's like a real go-to for you. King of Tokyo is really easy to get the box open and on the table and playing. Right. It's I, like I've, no time I've whatsoever. I've played it with sub-elementary school children. Yeah, we played it with like a three-year-old. 
Okay, we've played it with them, and they get it enough. They might not they be able get, to yeah, understand they were having the cards. Fun. Yeah, they they, were, they, they weren't getting that what part. The dice mean. But they were having fun rolling the rolling the pretty dice. <laughs> they couldn't pick them up with both hands. But that one little girl, man, <laughs> she was like five. Right. And other than the, the reading was a little difficult for her, but when she like read the card to her, she had it. She just knew exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. Right. It was awesome. There's nothing wrong with this game. I mean, I like it a lot. You yeah. buy you buy little cards. It's it's a bit of a creature building thing where you get cards out of like a little deck and, and when you get the power up expansion you can mutate into other things and i mean just the idea that there's a you're, you're either just, in tokyo or not in tokyo and just and, based on a yahtzee mechanic of rolling <laughs> dice right whether or not you're going to do damage to the person that's in tokyo or right. not or outside of tokyo or not it's it's simple it's fun for all ages almost and it's yeah it's i think it's a, it's actually recommended for eight and up they're crazy but you, you can play you it at can, five well if you, you can't to them. you can't yeah but to be able to play it on their own is how that what that's supposed to be but if you're an adult playing it with a kid you could you could teach a younger kid uh how to play it right so king of tokyo my 27 my 15 Okay, my 15, and I'm surprised you hated this this much. Nothing personal. <laughs> what is nothing personal on your list? Number 50. How dare you? <laughs> Number 50. And it all comes down to that final round of the game. Pissed me off. Just how they have I like an extra it. scoring thing where it scores again. You don't even do like the last <clears throat> half of the last round. There's no point to it whatsoever. You, now, in, in its defense, you play the last round uh, and then you go back and score like a couple parts of it again. Which is, it's just, I hate the way that that game ends. Like, right. hate it. Okay, well, here's what I like about Nothing Personal. I don't have any gangster games at all. This no. is it. Mm -hmm. This game is a wheel and deal central. You, I, if you listen to our playthrough, which I'm sure is agonizing, you know, this far back. Oh, because that was like number four or something. Three. Three? Yes. No, which is Salem was number three. No, that was four. Oh, Robinson Steam Park, nothing personal. Hmm. Number three. Terrible. But the... Uh, <laughs> That's no. what I said. That's why it's number 50. If you listen to our game of that, I am bartering constantly. Now, I lose absolutely in that game. But I'm tr constantly trying to make deals with people and trying to push money around, and it's and it's available to do that whenever you want. You can buy people off constantly, mm -hmm. and I mean, th and there's like there's I, we even got an expansion for it, and I'm sure I mean if I go up there and read the end of it or again, I'm sure it's like you, you it, it can't be that bad because I didn't feel like it was that bad, and that was it our third game me. of that. It irked me. I, it irked me every time. Here's and but here's the thing: the gameplay itself. I really enjoyed. I liked that game a mm -hmm. lot. I thought it was awesome, but that ending bugs me. I can't right. handle the end of the game. I don't like it. If we could rewrite the end of the game and, and how that works and the scoring to, to get through it, then I think it would, it would, I think it'd probably be in my top 10 because I really enjoy everything else about it, but here's it bothers me that you. bad. Here's, here's my statement to make Daniel mad after all the nice things I've said so far this episode. To me, this is cosmic encounter with a fun game under the negotiating. <laughs> We've had nothing but bad experiences with Cosmic right. Encounter. So. That, that's, I, honestly, that is my honest belief. It's, it's Cosmic Encounter has the same sort of bartering system and the same kind of negotiating, only this one's fun. Only you're guaranteed to actually get to have a turn in this one. Right. <laughs> compared to Cosmic Encounter. Right. Nothing personal. My number 15, Nicole's number 50. 
Whoa. Is that the biggest stretch we have? I think so. Probably. That's 35 spaces. I'm sorry. Like I said, you know, give me a better ending. (laughs) We'll have some some more probably. What's your uh, number 14? Uh, My number 14 is Scoville. Scoville is my number 37. Oh. I like Scoville. Everything above 40, remember. However. Yeah. I will say that 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 lab expansion Mm -hmm. is almost a necessity for it. Right. I don't. I will never play it without it again. It's a fun little now game. Now that we have it. That just just the idea that you're collecting a combination of peppers based on where you move your little farmer on the board In order, is really yeah. fun. And yeah. you're, you're constantly wanting to, you're bidding for first and second place and you're making chili recipes that come up randomly and you have an, an afternoon and a morning and, and the game's designed that it can end in the morning mm-hmm. if you get the right number of uh, recipes built or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um scales well so no matter yeah. how many players that you're playing it with it works it just feels like a solid game it doesn't feel like phenomenal to me but it just feels really solid like a really well designed game mm-hmm. nothing it, wrong with it it would be another the theme good doesn't intro exactly game grab me but like all the all the chili recipes are probably the most entertaining part the names of them all yeah oh gosh yeah you well know, and of course you get to make poop jokes there too because why know, not we're talking about chili and but I've had a, I've had a really good time playing Scoville. We've played it several times, and we like yeah. it every time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And the components in that game are <clears throat> absolutely phenomenal. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the in the labs, I agree too. Is is uh, really enhances that game because it makes it so that you can have your own little private pepper patch, mm-hmm. and you just get them. You don't have to have a farmer in there. Right. It's fun. So that was your number, was my number 14. fourteen. My number fourteen is Elder Sign. Uh, Elder Sign was number 26 on my list. Right. Uh, Elder Sign is in this same HP Lovecraft uh, fantasy flight, you know, setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another Yahtzee game. It's probably my favorite Yahtzee style game like this, I think. Because uh, it's, I don't know, you just got, you got these cool, um, you got these cool Dice. locations you're going to, oh. and they have like a little <laughs> recipe that you have to get through to get through the, the location, and you get certain rewards, and you can see what those rewards are before you go to those locations, and you get to play individual characters, and there's tons of them, and you get to, you know, you have different end bosses that are all different and change the dynamics of the game, and they have different, you know, requirements to defeat them. Mm-hmm. Some of them will, you know, you get to fight, you know, tooth and nail at the end. Some of them just destroy you. And then they've come out, they've gone so far with the expansions now that they have, like, they've changed all the decks out of the base game and made it the city around the museum instead of just in a museum, which is the setting of the original one. And, I mean, it's just, it's a fun little game. Mm-hmm. It does, it, this is the only thing I, I can one, say negative, is it, is it, I think it overstays its welcome by about 30%. I think that's partly due to the... Uh... The expansions lately, though, because we haven't played it in a long time without the expansions. No, it's it's a ninety-minute game. Even without the expansions, yes. it didn't seem like it was. It's a ninety-minute game. Maybe it's because we played it. Just it always has. It was been. like the first time we played it or something. Yeah, it's always been about ninety minutes, and that's that's. I think it, if it was a one-hour game, it would be considerably better, and I've always felt like that. Hmm. Okay. But it's still it's still really fun. Still gets you right knee deep in that thing, but it plays almost. If you played like a four or five player game, you would be playing basically Arkham Horror. At that point, the, the original game. The original, okay. Well, you know? Yeah. So, uh, fun game, Elder Sign, good dice chucker. And I've played it with people who have no game experience at all, and I was able to walk them through that. Yeah, absolutely. So, there you go. Elder Sign, number my... 
14 for me. Uh, number 26 for me. Right. 13? Okay. Uh, my 13 was Evolution. Evolution for me was 31. Okay. Um, Evolution is a fun little uh, dinosaur building game, kind of. Mm -hmm. Not really dinosaurs. Well, some of them are. You're trying to give different attributes to different animals. It's not, this, it's not dinosaurs. There's no dinosaurs in well, it. You're, you're a dealing, long neck. I guess there is a couple dinosaurs. Yeah, there's a couple. But there's like it's like there's a combination of dinosaurs and mammals and some other stuff in there. Right. And, uh, and you'll give them different attributes so that they can survive differently against your opponents. Because <clears throat> like if you're if someone tries to eat you but you've got like spines, then they can't. That kind of thing. Although I didn't. Even, I don't think that's exactly. No. Okay, so here's what it is. Okay, you explain it. I'm going to get some more water. Okay, in the center of this board, you've got this feeding pool that has a certain number of food. And at the start of the game, when everybody has one animal and it's really small, like one species of animal, they they uh, they can all eat out of that pool without having to take any food from anybody else or do anything mean to anybody else really easily. But that's it's, <clears throat> but eventually, in order to win the game, you have to have the biggest creatures or whatever, the, be the best creatures out there to score enough points to win. And as you keep growing to try to outpace each other, you're adding these modifications, these evolutions, like fatty tissue or spines or something like that. And Or like one of them, I, I evolved into a predator. Then now I could eat other players' creatures and reduce their size, like the, the number of their animals by one little thing on this little cube thing. That's another thing to remember too. Your animals that you're making, you don't see them. They're represented by just like a little cube tracker board and you'll have more than one animal out there. And you have like a little cube tracker board that keeps track of what, you know, the size of the animal is, like individual animals, how big they are, how many you have, how many numbers of them you have and all that. And it's just, uh, you just sort of play it out. And at this point, we got an expansion for it called Climate. That we that haven't adds, played yet. adds uh, different like effects like hot and cold and stuff. And it takes out a couple of the cards and modifies the text on them. And we'll get around to playing that. But I, I think it's a great game. I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. I think it really, it's got nice pieces. And I think those little, those little uh, tracker boards are fun to play with. And I think all the cards are fun because you get to, you know, anybody who gets fatty tissue is going to laugh because... It's just this this big fat cow looking mammal kind of looking back over its rump at you. Mm -hmm. It's so funny looking. That's evolution. That is <laughs> uh, what did I say that was on mine? Thirty something. Thirty one. And my thirteen. Okay, my thirteen is Runebound. Uh, Runebound was my number eighteen. Runebound is nostalgia overload for me. It's uh, it's a game that if I, if I was ten, I would I would fawn over. Mm -hmm. because it's just exactly what 10-year-old me wanted. This big adventure game with random decks, and it, it turns out different every time, mm -hmm. and the gear you get and the creatures you face and everything are different, and there's quite a few expansions for it and stuff. But now, of course, they've got Runebound 3 out, and it's a little different than this, than the second edition that we we have. Still, it's I, I you know I looked at the rules for it. It still seems like it's basically the same thing. And it's it's a really fun adventure in a box D and D you know campaign, in the course of like one afternoon. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Only I don't have to make a character, so that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, and it would have been a little bit higher on my list because I really do love Runebound. I, it's it's an awesome game. It's it's one of my fave games mm -hmm. to play, most of the time. 
Um, but that one game we played with one of the, like we had too many expansions going on and it it ruined the game. I added three expansions and it probably said even don't add more than two. Yeah. It it turned it into a terrible, awful, boring slog fest of a game that I didn't enjoy at all. Right. I I ended up losing the audio for that too. That's fine. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so yeah, I really like, I love Roombound, but the, the fact that you can potentially ruin it. Made right. it lo- a little bit lower on my list, so All that's right. why it's number 18. And that is my number 13. Your number 12. Uh, my number 12 is Camel Up. Well, Camel Up for me was number 23. Okay. The reason that one is so high for me is going to be the um, replayability with any group factor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that it's it's a betting game. Purely, you're not like playing any particular camel. You're not betting on yourself. You're just betting on what camel's going to win. That's really cool. So you're not actually playing any one of the camels. It's not like, oh, I'm the blue camel. Let's see if I win. You're just betting to see, is the blue camel going to win? I think he's going to win. So I'm going to bet on him. I think I like this game because I, it's just dumb fun. Mm -hmm. It's betting and it's just dumb fun. And I could take this to a party with adults having adult beverages and still get a group together who are partially inebriated to play this. Right. And we would play it correctly. Yeah. And that's why I like it. And Mm -hmm. it it would still be compelling and still be fun. And everybody would still be like holding their breath when they inverted that pyramid. Mm -hmm. It would be a blast. It's a good game. Invert the pyramid to uh, roll the dice and the dice control what the the camels are going to move. So. Right. That's a cool game. Right. And, And I love the little... The fact that you build your little dice tower kind of thing is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah Camel App's a good one. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, 23 and your number, number 12. 12. My number 12 may have a run for most discrepancy again. It is Heroes of Normandy. Oh, yeah. That's number 44 okay, so on that's, my list. That is a not quite as different as 35. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Heroes of Normandy is... Now, I... I I, unlike Nicole, have a history playing war games. Mm-hmm. And I know how bogged down they can get in rules and, and how, how much they can just be like you sitting there with a 50-page rule book, you know, playing this game and having all these stat sheets out and, you know, going through all these specific, like specified charts and numbers and all this stuff. And this doesn't have charts. Mm-hmm. Everything's on those tokens just like, you know, you'd like. So anything you're referencing is on there. There's a little bit of symbol, you know, like a little bit of iconography that you kind of have to get over. But if you understand the iconography, this plays so simply and will just become a dice chucker. I know because after Nicole and I played our couple of games of this, I went and played it on my iOS app and I learned all the iconography. And it's such a an effortless game at this point to just have a nice head-to-head you know, we're both going to do this mission. Like the mission we played on the podcast was so funny. The, the general's dog is missing, but he's in the German side of enemy lines. And we're both trying to get him. And mm-hmm. the dog's running around randomly while we, <laughs> while I run into fortified German stuff and get shot at and take out your machine gun nest. Blow up your motorcycle in one shot because you don't know it has two hit points. Yeah, it's it, only, it doesn't have two. It only has one. <laughs> My thing so about fun. it is based on, I'm not a war game person at all. Right. So if I'm going to play a war game, I'd, I'd pick up Memoir 44 any day over this one. Um, I probably, it's a toss up for me. Yeah. 
between the two of them. Which means I determine, so I win, so we play Memoir 44. Barely. <laughs> I like Heroes of Normandy a lot. And I know I, you do. I know and I'm going to force feed it to you here. That's okay. I, the future, I will, so I will totally play it again. I didn't hate it, but I, like, like I, I said, got, I'm not I a war game girl. i got to stop you from picking the evil side in these games, because I beat you every time you pick evil. I have to pick evil. I'm so good in real life. I know, but you do terrible as evil. I know. Because I'm not, I'm, right. practi- I'm practicing. <laughs> I know. All right, Nicole. Uh, For when I take over the world. You're number 11. My number 11 is Legendary Encounter Aliens. That was my number 17. So not too far of a difference mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, Legendary, I think we we cover it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. We both right. really enjoy that game. Right. It's um, a, This is just, yeah, deck builder with. Deck, deck builder with an alien story backing it up. Right. Which is pretty fun. With a combat zone. It's mm-hmm. it's basically the legendary card game with a combat zone because you still have, un, you know, undetectable monsters go through a space track just like you do in the, in the other one except they're undetectable and, or they're detectable rather than face up in the original legendary. And you still buy cards just the same. But you have like objectives and you got other things going on in this that, that we think supersede the, well, the original quite a bit. On the aliens too, you get those face huggers that if you don't get rid of them, if you don't kill them, mm-hmm. then they'll end up putting like an alien in your deck. Mm-hmm. And once that alien pops out, you're dead. Right. <laughs> Which I, is I, awesome. I mean, that. how much more <laughs> themed can you get? Right. Now, I think that this is the best of all the legendary series. And at this point, I've, I've even said this before, I'm not buying any more legendary expansions for the original card game anymore and in fact i'm pretty sure i can declare right here that if they don't do a massive overhaul of the system i may be done with with all of them except for the aliens encounter one and that's it yeah i think because it's just eh, i got enough there's a lot yeah they'll have to really do it like you know they're getting ready to do thunderstone third edition Mm -hmm. that's a massive overhaul to the system they're getting ready to do a buffy uh, legendary, I heard too, Ugh. but it's gonna, It's not going to be encounters. It's going to be skip. Yeah, skip. Well, you never saw the show. I I played the I played the Big Trouble in Little China one, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And, and that card skip. game was whatever. I would have skipped right. it in hindsight. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, that was your number eleven, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Legendary encounters. My number eleven. What, what, what number was it on yours? Uh, mine, sorry, was 17. 17, okay. My number 11 is Arkham Horror Card Game. Ooh, that was pretty low on my list, right. too. It was number 28. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I just think it's really great. I think it's short. It takes one hour to play, and I get, I get a pretty good feeling. I think it's that shortened version of Elder Sign I've been wanting. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. Even though there's not dice, there's a token bag, which is essentially dice, and it just works in the in the reverse. You score your you get your your score that you have, and then you modify that number based on what token you pull out of there. Did you use one of our token bags when we played it? Uh, I had to. Yeah, I just okay. I, we had like a little spare junky one. I just used it. Okay. But the uh, no, I mean that's that's what that does. So it to me, it's like having an Arkham Adventure that actually finally gets under an hour, mm-hmm. and it, and it plays pretty good. The stories are pretty solid. It plays a little more like Mansions of Madness in the storyline, where you have you know you're going to burn this story. You mm-hmm. just are. The game's still fun, but you're going to burn this story. I didn't have any less fun playing it the second time with knowing what was going to happen, though. I'll tell you that. 
Right. I still thought I still found it a challenge and the game was still fun. Mm -hmm. And now they've already released like two print and like print on demand ones. And the first big box is coming out next month. So believe me, they're going to support this game. For at least a day or two. I'd say f for, for at least a year. <laughs> and I, I'm saying based on the success it's seeing right now, probably a couple of years, you're probably looking at some good support of a nice little adventure co-op game in a box. Okay. Um, so that was my number 11 and your number 28. Is that what you said? Yes. 28, yes. Okay. Your number 10. Uh, my number 10 is Last Will. Uh, my number, that was my number 21 was Last Will. Okay. Um, Last Will is another like worker placement type game. It's right. not really a worker. You've got like a top hat. No, you've got it. You've got more than one. You only get to do like, but you're betting on. You're on betting on how, how many, many you're, you're going get. to have. Yeah. And like the max is like three, isn't yeah, it? I think so. So you don't get a lot of options for what you're going to do every right. turn. But it keeps the game moving. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, we did get the expansion to go with that too. What's yeah, it called? Getting, uh, sacked, getting sacked, which adds a job that you have to get fired from. Uh huh. And I think we decided that if in future we would just make sure and play it with the expansion. Cause... Right. It's not a necessary expansion, but it does add a couple of elements that if you have that option, you would just take it. And especially the one being the randomizing of what bonuses you get for each uh, space you bid on. Mm -hmm. You kind of randomize that up at at the start, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I like it because it's a, it is a worker placement game, which worker placements are fine, but this is a game for people who like to spend rather than save. Right. All these games have you getting points and saving points and getting the most points every turn. This is the opposite. You're spending as much as you can. And some people, it comes naturally and it just feels right to spend as much money as possible every turn and try to figure out how to spend more is a lot more fun than trying to figure out how to make the most, you know, increase yeah. in your bank account. Yeah. So last will, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. We even have Prodigal, Prodigal Club, which we'll play eventually. That's the I spiritual successor and even includes a mode where you can combine both games. Which we'll do. No. Aw. Uh, your no, number? Was, was that was my number 10. 10? And that was my number 21. Okay. Number <clears throat> my number 10 is Agents of Smirsh. Uh, that was my number 21. Okay. Agents, How weird. Agents of Smirsh. My 10 was your 21. Your 10 was my 21. Well, there you go. Nice. Agents of Smirsh is the only uh, spy game I have in my collection now that I got rid of Spyfall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Agents of Smirsh is very unique. It's co-op. It's a spy game. You have that book of adventures. To me, if you said, do you want to play Agents of Smirsh or do you want to play Tales of Arabian Night? I would take Smirsh. Oh, yeah, me It's too. just more fun. Uh, you, there, is a, there is only one complaint I have about it, which is at the very end, you, you do gamble. You do gamble at the end and say, I, I think we might have enough tokens because they're all face down inside of this. You're supposed to fulfill this. And as the longer you go, like if you... You have to get all the pieces of evidence, right? basically. So you got all these like little pieces of evidence. And at the very end of the game, you have to say... We're going to try to, to feed him. <laughs> and then the longer you play the game, the harder it gets to defeat him. And the longer that recipe becomes mm -hmm. of certain tokens that you have to complete or get to complete it. And uh, this one, I, I mean, we've, we've won it one time. And it was the infamous uh, lost audio because, uh, because my, my phone, phone rang. rang. yeah. And uh, your phone rang, yeah. And, and it rang on the iPad that I'd just gotten and hadn't turned off same network ringing. Mm -hmm. and, and even though I the time code it. kept rolling on my uh, iPad, like it was still recording, it wasn't recording. So we lost the only game, the recording that we won, but we know we won. So 
So whatever. Who cares? It works. The, the, the replay was terrible and we got demolished. <laughs> that was my number 10. That was my number 21. Agents of Smirsh. Number nine, Nicole. My number nine was Sons of Anarchy. Okay, this one's a pretty good discrepancy for us. My number 41. See, I really liked it. I thought it's a mean-spirited game, so you really have to be okay with that. Right. Because you're going to screw each other over. Um, and that's, I think, what you didn't like about it was because uh, mm. it got focused on you a little bit. I think it got focused, like, to a kamikaze level on me. What's is what what kind of upset me was that it didn't it, it was like was against crazy. <laughs> well, I, I, she didn't realize what was going on or how how bad it was that what she was doing for her final score. She didn't care and just kind of went kamikaze and, on it and just kind of said, "Well, I, I'm supposed to take him out. You said to win. I have to take him out." And it's like, "No, you're going to lose if you try that hard to take me out." Mm -hmm. And she she threw she just went all in to take me out, and I was sitting there like you know just stomped into the mud like what just happened. And then, of course, I ended up rallying and coming back and getting, like, second place anyways. Yeah. Because I was... Because that's was what gonna, you do. I was going to win. That's your second nature. <laughs> I was going to win. But no, Sons I... of Anarchy, I like it because it's adult. That's my favorite <laughs> thing about it. You've got dope bags. You've got guns. You've got adult locations like strip clubs yeah, you're going and all into kinds of other stuff. And, stuff. and, and it's, that, that part of it's really refreshing because I don't have... I mean, most of these are very family-themed. Yeah. And if I have adults over who are fans of that show, which why wouldn't you be? It's a it's fine show. It's a fun show. show. You know, uh, it, it's just a fun... It, it really matches that theme well. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Getting your bike gang together and rolling into this place that you really need to keep because that's the cornerstone of your strategy is you can sell guns really well. So if you keep the, the place that could generate guns for you, like lots more guns, and keep everybody else out, you'll win the game. And everybody mm -hmm. else knows that. It, it just it's, leads itself to, to violence. I was just know? impressed with how well the theme fit right. the game mechanics. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did such a good job on that. Right. There's so, nothing wrong with this game. I, I don't you, want to get rid of it. You have to be okay with being mean-spirited and, and taking people out. So There's going to be moments in this game where, where people roll in. And, and the good news about this is it's not determined by a die roll. It's determined by resources that you have to willingly commit. And you have this weird bid thing where you're holding out your hand and there may be guns in it. There may not be. Mm -hmm. And you flip over your hand and Angela had like every gun in the box in her <laughs> hand to take me out. She cashed everything and guns are worth tons of points and money tons of points, at the yeah. end of the game. She basically threw the game at that moment, but took me out at the same time. And I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> so that awesome. Sons of Anarchy, it's, I, I'm not getting rid of it. I still think it's a solid game. Yeah, I totally want to play it again. No. <laughs> So that's my number 41, your number nine. Yes. My number nine is The Other's Seven Sins. So that one's pretty low for me. It's number 40 on my list. Here's what I'm finding out, though. You don't... This is the biggest discrepancy we've had so far. That's 41 points different. <laughs> is that right? No, 31 points. Yeah. Whatever. That's no, not the biggest so, Okay, nothing personal is still the worst. So here's the deal. Uh, you don't like games where it's one versus many and I get to play the Overlord. You always win, and it makes me feel stupid. <laughs> I don't always win. No, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> but they seem to rate lower. Yeah. Like considerably lower when I'm not playing on the same field as you guys. But I'm taking on like a higher responsibility. I'm doing a lot more rules. Yeah. And a lot harder. I'm managing. I'm playing like game referee at the same time. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I like the others. The others is a unique setting. I think that it gives, as an Overlord player. 
It gave me a lot more confidence to just go at you guys as hard as I can, mm -hmm. realizing that, you know, a few good rolls or a few good, uh, you know, attacks or whatever could swing the game dramatically one way or the other. And I, I went at you guys as hard as I could, and I don't feel like I won that soundly. Well, I still think with that one, it's so odd that you don't really get a turn. You're just in response to the things that we're doing. Yeah, and whenever you run out of actions, all my responses reset, but I lose any of them I didn't use. Yeah, but so that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a strange mechanic for me. It's, it's, <coughs> it really threw me off on, on how that was going to work. I, I really like the other Seven Sins. And I, 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 like I definitely artwork. want to play it again. <clears throat> like I said, my biggest complaint about this, all of the enemy miniatures are the same. Yeah. There's no, there's almost no uniqueness. There's some uniqueness to the, the minions that you get to use, like the doctors, the uh, nuns, all those little weird guys you get to use, the little acolyte guys or whatever. Not acolytes, but they're like minions. All your little minion guys are different, but all the rest of your demon guys, which you have three different variances of. You have like a leader... You have like a, an acolyte and you have like the abomination guy, like the really, or the avatar guy, the big guy. Oh, see, that was the other thing that bothered me. The acolytes versus the abominations right. versus the avatars. Those titles were bad, but the, <laughs> uh, terrible. the, all of those things are like generic mm -hmm. through each one. So it, they've got like a, a global effect based on what type of sin you're using. And they give you all these new models and stuff, but the models are, are stat-wise the same as the other models. Right. You just get a global one global effect that makes it this sin rather than that sin, which kind of, kind of was a letdown. But other than that, I think the game's fun. You get to really charge at each other and put the pressure on the the players. So, anyway, your number eight. Uh, my number eight is Betrayal at House on the Hill. This one is number twenty-two for me. Betrayal at House on Hill. On the hill. This one uh, threatened to be a little bit lower because you do run the risk of if you're playing it with a non-gamer and they end up having to be the betrayer, it could potentially ruin the game. It's really difficult. This this game is really it's kind of it's unique in that you at some point there's going to be a traitor revealed, mm -hmm. and that person then gets. They, here's the book, go figure out what you're supposed to do, and everybody is against that one person. Right. Well, usually you're the one person that everybody's against, because, and you're so good with games, and you've played so many of them. It's no big deal. You understand how to read the rules right. and, and to interpret all of that. Someone playing Betrayal <clears throat> that, that has never really played this level of game before right. and gets you know, to be the, the betrayer, mm -hmm. they're stuck with having to figure out this rule book, and there's no one to help them. Right. They just have to, you know figure it out all by themselves. Right. Uh, and potentially goof. What I'll say about this is, is it's really fun because there's a lot of variable outcomes, the way that the story can go. Right. There's 50 in the base game, and we just bought the Widow's Walk, uh, and it added like another 50. Right. With all new cards, and it basically is going to change up the whole thing. Uh, we haven't played it yet since then, but they, uh, the thing is, it's a really fun co-op until one of you becomes a bad guy, and I'm really mad... Because I've played it several times, and it's never been me. It's never been me, has it? Did I get the Betrayer yeah, once? you got to once. I don't remember. You were I was, dumping, the, I was that vampire You were dumping buckets on whatever. the altar. We were dumping That's buckets right. of hate on your, on your summoning altar. And That's we, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, not no, to give away too much storyline really, there. But. It's really a cool game, though. I mean, it's... Right. I love playing but that. But if, if just once it could just end up me being the Betrayer... I would stop you guys in yeah. the ground. And it's not like it's a secret betrayer. You know they're the betrayer because they, here's your book, they go off in the other room. Right. 
and you plot against them, you know? Right. <laughs> and and most times whenever we finish a game of this, whoever is the betrayer is, is I mean, I should just stop right there and switch places with them at the table and go take over. But that's part no, of the that's fun. that's cheating. That's part cheat. of the fun, though. That's I mean, right. That's the problem. Uh, anyways, Betrayal, her number eight, my number 22. Okay, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Mice and Mystics. So that one's pretty low on my list. Yeah, I know like you guys it. love it. My, it's my 36. Uh, I like Mice and Mystics. Uh, it's just a fun little co-op game. And I, I got to tell this is one of the things that, that kind of makes me, that I think about when I think about this. The first thing I think is I opened the box and I've, I've got several dungeon crawl type games or adventure games. <clears throat> I open the box and I look at it and I go, wow, there's not much in this box for how expensive it was. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm, I feel this kind of like jab, this kind of ripped off feeling. And then I start seeing how creative and clever they were with how they integrated all the components together and how they made the missions overlap each other and do these cool things. And then I com I completely think the game's worth it now. Right. But if you were just to weigh the box and go, is this worth the money? You'd probably say no. But if you weigh the experience, it's absolutely worth the price. I think it's a fun little co-op. You play as mice. You get to do a little bit of character building. You get to keep keep a couple cards in between times and, and keep track of what happened. And you just play through several story missions. And the storybook is very thorough. Mm -hmm. And it has like little moments where if something happens, you go into the storybook and read this thing. And then it changes how, you know, if you can defeat this guy like this, it changes what happens next. And it's just, I mean, it's just a fun, creative game. Really smart people made this game. It's just, it's a good game. Yeah, I think it's a good game, too. I think my, my only problem with it is it seems like we'll think we know how to play it, and then we'll screw up a rule because it seems like, well, yeah, that's exactly how you do it, and but we so we won't go back and research, hmm. and it turns out that's not how you do it because we screwed up the tracker, like the... Uh, the cheese wheel? The Well, the cheese wheel and the, the chapter tracker. Oh, to, yeah, yeah. To do our progress. We screwed up the progress tracker. That was because I, I watched Rodney Smith's Watch It Played, and thought, oh yeah, I can I can consume all the all this information in my brain. He see he does it so casually. You think you're getting it all, but in reality, everything he's saying is so meticulous and thought out. You're missing stuff left and right. Right. He gets it all, but you're gonna miss half of it because you're you're. He's just breezing by it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my semistics, my number eight, and my number what was it? 36. All right, Nicole, what's your number seven? My number seven is Zombie 15. Zombie 15 is my number 32. Okay. I like Zombie 15 because it's very fast-paced co-op game. Um, as far as zombies go, I kind of feel like that's how it should be. Right. Um, I, I, I have a big... I don't have a beef with slow zombies so much as just it seems like in real life if it happened that way... I mean, I'm not real good with a gun. I've shot one like a couple times in my life. Right. But I think I could hit a slow-moving just uh, thing coming at me. I could hit right. it with a rock. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. This is hectic and fast-paced and crazy. And you've got a, a a timer that's, you know, a music thing playing in the background that's, you know, psyching you up. And, and it's 15 minutes and until you right. get to the end. So... And you're all taking turns, so you're not doing it all at the same time. That's, uh, I just, it's fun. Right. Uh, truthfully, this one, for me, I I got this, like, 40%, like, or 60% off or something like that at mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble discount bin. 
And I had no expectations other than, oh, look, it comes with 100 zombies. Sure, I'll, I'll take it. And I just decided to play it because Angela was such a Walking Dead fan. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, okay, we'll play that. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it won't. And then I start reading the rules and I'm like, this might be amazingly fun. And it is. Mm -hmm. It is. It's better than that Escape from the Curse of the Temple. Mm -hmm. It's better than a lot of those timed games And like we that. kept playing it over and over, right. like progressing through the missions. Uh -huh. And even when we stopped, I don't think we really wanted to stop. It no, was but just... we were on game number five or six or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and we had something else we wanted to play too that day. <laughs> right. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, it just shocked me how much I liked it. It's such a I good I have no one. desire to get rid of this game. It's no, amazing. I totally want to play it again. It's a total blast. So that's Zombie 15. That was your... My number seven. Right, and my number 32. Uh, my number seven's Robinson Crusoe. That one is my number 25. Now, I don't doubt this slipped for you after we played that stupid expansion. That's exactly what happened. But I still look at this, and there's nothing else quite like this. This mm -hmm. is a very thematic, very mechanical co-op. It's just, just hard enough where you don't feel bogged down in rules, and it's very simple. You're just surviving. You're not really trying to score points or do stupid stuff like that. You're trying to work together as a team and survive, and you, I think you genuinely collaborate in this mm -hmm. game, too. It's hard, but I think that I'm, most of the base game missions are worth playing, and, and it's a good game just right out of the box. Well, and I know that they've re-released it. I'm curious how the book holds, like, what they've done with the book, if they've done yeah, some the rule changes. Yeah, the garbage. In the first one, it's ugh. Horrible. I know that I think the Piece King Kong the King Kong expansion just comes in the box now. So you can play the go get King Kong off the island. Is the mission. book still crappy though? I have no idea. I didn't I haven't researched the new version because I have the old one and I know right. how to play it. So okay. that's uh number seven for me, Robinson Crusoe. Our okay. first episode, if you want to listen to us do a terrible episode. That was pretty bad, yeah. All right, anyways, number six, Nicole. Uh, is higher on your list. Uh my number six is Fury of Dracula. Uh that is... You should be shocked, because I like Fury of Dracula 2nd Edition more than Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, I am shocked. That's number 38 on my list. This is The thing about Fury of Dracula for me is it's, it's the best hidden movement game I've ever played. Yeah. That track of movement cards about where you've been that's, that get revealed, but you're a few steps away from Dracula all the time of where knowing where he was, and you just keep getting these hints, is so much better then that stupid Scotland Yard rule where, where your Jack the Ripper pawn just gets put right where he is for a turn mm -hmm. and lets everybody run at him before he goes invisible again. It's mm. so much more worth it that a couple steps ago, Dracula did this. And I also like how there's day and night phases. And if you're in the night phase, if I want to attack you with Dracula, you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to kill you, mm -hmm. you know, or damage you so much that you'll wish you were dead. <laughs> and, and if, if in the, in the, of course, and it flips. All of a sudden, it's the daytime. I don't want to be anywhere near you with Dracula. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to stay out of reach and, and trying to second guess each other and having all those movement spaces. And I like all the illustration on the board. It's just a fun one. It's great. That movement track of putting the cards in where you've been and they, they move gradually across and get revealed once per turn eventually. Right. Is the, the coolest thing in that game. And I agree with all of that. What brought it so far <laughs> down on my list was the fighting mechanic. I didn't care for it. It was a little weird. It was weird. I didn't, it wasn't that great. The new one's not better. It, oh, well, then that's sad. <laughs> so. But if you want to buy the new one, you have to buy it soon. It may be already sold out everywhere anyways, because guess who owns the license for Fury of Dracula? Games Workshop. Guess who um, releases that game? Fantasy, Fantasy Flight. Flight. And they're not together anymore. Right. Buy third edition if you ever wanted it, because it's going away soon. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, your number five. Is higher on your list. My number five is Star Wars Imperial Assault. Mm, that one, again, that one's way down on my list at number 39. Right. So and kind of is what you were saying. Pointer. It's that one versus many thing again. Right. I'm and playing something different than you are. slapping but Star Wars on it doesn't make it better for me. This one, I will tell you, it. I really felt like I was having to pull my punches not to kill you guys. I was going to win the game we played, that game we played for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was going to win it. And I was, I coached you through exactly what you needed to do for a couple turns. Like you probably want to take this guy out mm -hmm. and you can do it with this and you might want to go after this because all you're doing is going for this. Don't forget. And I kept having to kind of coach you guys through like your last two, two or three turns or else I was going to whip you bad. You know what the problem is on that one? What? Too much of a completionist on video games. Right. So I, we hadn't finished the stuff outside, I didn't feel like. there. Nope. It felt like there was treasure to get. Keep your eyes on the prize, lady. But, but I don't want to do <laughs> that. I want to get the treasure. Nope. And then I'll go indoors. Because nope. I felt like those doors were going to lock and we'd never be able to get back outside again. We'd be trapped. And then that would be a bad thing. Now, here's the thing. I've played way too many video games. And that, that game Let me tell you this, made it rough. Okay? I really like this game. I still do. And I'd love... I can't... I, I really want to play it more. But here's now... What I'm waiting for is they're supposed to be releasing an app update, like, or an app for it mm -hmm. that's right along the lines of, you know, Mansions of Madness kind of-esque app where the app takes over the DM role, like mm. the game controlling role. Okay. And if that was the case, you and I would devour this game instantly. Probably, yes. And just constantly. Yeah, that would make it better. And and that's that's on the horizon. It's been announced. It was announced at Gen Con last summer. So this game's... Whether you like it now or not is going to be amazing. I don't dislike it. Right. It's just, like I said. All right, Nicole, you're number four. Uh, my number four is Steam Park. <laughs> Which... Steam Park was 35. That's our biggest difference on my list so far, 31 Well, points. I'm shocked that that one's that high on my list, but it's just such an easy intro game. And again, it's a little bit different than anything else that we that we have, you kind of have like a, a race to roll your dice um, to plan what you're going to do with your move. Right. The first one to to roll all their dice and save their their moves uh, gets like the first player token, so they get like a bonus. The last one mm -hmm. gets dirt, and you have to be sure and clean all the dirt out of your park. Right. Um, you build rides, and then you, you pull robots out of the little bag to put on those rides to see if they're going to stay or not. If they match the color, then they'll mm -hmm. stay. Um, it's just fun. It's a fun little game. It's not real hard to teach. Um, it does introduce, like you've got bonus cards that you can or don't have to use. Um, even in the book, it kind of says, you know, the first time you play through, do it like this. If you want to add more to it, then go ahead and add this. And it baby steps you through it, which I think is fantastic. And I can just, I can see playing it with literally anyone, but I don't think it's, you know, it, it, there's a lot of luck to it, so it's not like you're going to master it. But there's a, there's some fair amount of strategy, too, with your different... Because uh, you've got different uh, buildings that you can make. You can make toilets to clean your park better. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, info stations that'll bring more attendees to your park or whatever. You know, So there's a little bit of strategy to it, too. So I okay. really enjoy it. What, what I think is cool about this is that you roll... There is a, t a timed kind of aspect to it. And it reminds me of like Galaxy Trucker, where there's this moment at the start of every round where you're going to all start rolling your dice and you're going to do it frantically because you all know what you need on your next turn 
to make your park better. Right. And you can take your time and get exactly what you want and take a bunch of dirt. <laughs> or you can be like the first person done and just get what you need really, really quick and get, you know, reduction of dirt. Right. But either way, at the end of the game, when you're scoring, you've got to have a clean park. And it's a mm -hmm. weird aspect that they did this sort of environmental idea of clean park at the end. And it's really fun having these little robot meeples that you put in a bag and you have to draw out random. And I get really mad because I don't get mine, even though I have every every one of my guys in there. Somehow I'm still drawing everybody else's meeple out. Right. And, and you guys keep removing mine out of the bag. <laughs> Just to annoy you. It's it's super fun. Really yeah. accessible. Really fun. Yeah. Looks great on the table when you're done, too. Mm -hmm. Steam Park, uh, that was my number... Ugh, I lost it. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does That's it? That's my number four. It was not my number, number four. 30-something for you. 30-something, yep. You 30. didn't write it on my list, so I don't know. Sorry, 35. That's why it's on the other side of this page. <laughs> uh, my number... That was your four? My number four is Blood Rage. Uh, Blood Rage was my number 19. Okay, Blood Rage is an area control game that has a Viking theme behind it. It is Ragnarok, which is the end of the Vikings, and you're all basically having this massive fit of battles, trying to control certain areas and score favor with the gods, and what's neat about this game is that dying is not important. Getting the points is what's important. So you, you shove guys in, you lose tons of guys, and they come back next turn, and it doesn't seem like you're out ever. Well, because dying can give you honor. Dying sometimes whole... sometimes gives you points. Right, exactly. But it's it's just really cool how how it takes away that that feeling of I'm losing this game completely because all my guys just died. But you'll get them all back. Mm -hmm. So what does it matter? Put them back out next round. Right. You know. And there's three rounds in the game, and each round has several turns. You know, and you get a limited number of guys each round. But you have three rounds, so you get them all back every single round. The gate of Valha gates of Valhalla open, and you get all your guys back. Really I think cool. The only reason this is so low on my list is because of that stupid Loki card. Because I just felt like Daniel was able to cheat, basically, with this card. He wasn't cheating, but it felt like it. That's just the, you get points for guys who come out of Valhalla or something like that. No, it was that one where uh, if oh. you lost, you got to keep the card and the other person got screwed over. Right. And Because you have to play these just... little bonus cards when you fight. Right. To boost your, your stats. And I hated that. And I also thought there should be a little more variety in the cards. It felt too I mean, limited. really, it, it felt... Those cards felt very reminiscent of Cosmic Encounter and how that and works, too. I don't too. like that game that much, but I anyhow. Know, but those, that's how but I, otherwise, I really, I actually really do enjoy that game, but it needs more variety. It's a neat game. I like it a lot. My number four. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Freedom, the Underground Railroad. That's my number 16. 16. What's so awesome? Um, It's just the, the co-op. Part of it, it's so thinky, but I like that uh, you're it, you're really unlikely to win, and I like that. It's very challenging. It's very puzzly feeling. I don't know. You explain how it the is, game works. It is that. I mean, because you're moving, you you get these. There's like boats of slaves that come into the set, like southern United States, mm -hmm. and this is colonial times, so it's like right around you know, civil, like just, I guess, pre-Civil War. It would have to be pre-Civil War, wouldn't it? <laughs> but it, it kind of takes place in three eras and different laws and stuff. There's a lot of historical cards that come out and you're moving these slaves represented by cubes through cities and through like this underground railroad up into 
Canada is what the whole point is. Mm -hmm. And depending on what difficulty the game is, you're getting a different amount of them in. The game really manipulates well, you know, between different players and difficulties. It, it's I find the normal mode more than hard enough, so you don't need to really upgrade it. Um, right. You are doing a lot of resource management in this game mm -hmm. because you're in order to move people, you have to have resources. In order to win the game, you have to buy all this support tokens all the way through the third phase. And the only way to do that is to move guys and gain points. And having slaves in certain cities gives you more money, which it, money gets really tight by the end of the game. Money's really tight through the whole and game. It's just uh, it, it's a, it's a lot of resource management between a lot of players and trying to make sure like maybe champion one hero, uh, you know, among all the players so that that person gets all the money so that you can get you know, get those things bought because I don't think you share money in this game, do you? Mm -mm, no. Yeah. So one person has to have enough to buy all those, all those support tokens. Right. And I, I don't know. It's just, um, very unique feeling. It's a good educational game too, because all the cards that you're drawing will have like uh, information about slavery and the abolition movement. And, and, uh, it makes it very interesting. Like every time I play this, I end up looking up at least a couple facts on, you know, on the internet to find out, well, how did that work? You know? Right. Um, and I'm not much of a history buff. So if it makes me interested in doing it, I can't imagine what it does for somebody who actually is into history. So I just think it's a really cool game. I enjoy it. Right. Freedom, the underground railroad, my 16 and her my number, number three. three, my number three is Eldritch horror. That. Oh, sorry. I messed that up. Was <laughs> my number two. Yep. Right. So your number two is Eldritch horror as well. Right. Cause mine was higher. Sorry. I messed that up. Yeah. That's okay. No. Right at the very end. I messed it up. Wow. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and talk about Elder Chore, Nicole. Why do you like it so much? Why is it your number two? Because it's, it just, it's so epic feeling. Um, it's a huge adventure that doesn't feel the same every, you know, every time you play it, it feels a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We've got some expansions for it that'll expand the map. So we've got like Antarctica in there now. And, mm -hmm. uh, but it, the cards that you draw through it, you have different little adventures that you're going through. Um, it's just so much variety. I don't feel like I'm having the same adventure twice. Um, so, it's very, I mean, it's that whole Arkham theme where you're trying to like defeat Cthulhu right. or whatever, but it doesn't actually feel that way so much. Right. I mean, yes, you've got cultists that you're fighting, but other than the fact that they're called cultists, it doesn't, it doesn't have that same Arkham-y feel. It has more of a, more of a adventure, uh, Indiana Jones kind of feel, not quite like fortune and glory level, but. Right. I was going to say that I only have two games in my collection that qualify as this type of game. And one is Eldritch Horror and one is Fortune and Glory. And I would play Fortune and Glory before I play this one. It's, it rates higher in my brain right now than, oh, than Eldritch. See, I like them both. I don't know. I'd, I'd be hard pressed. Right now, I probably would play Fortune and Glory before this one just because we've played this one more recently. And I'd like to play Fortune and Glory but again. But Eldritch... Uh, it's just so big and so long, but so is the other one. But the uh, you just you you're you're putting in for a long play. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, I know that's I, true. Originally, this was like this was put out there like it was going to be a ninety minute game. They were saying, oh, it's Arkham Horror game, you know, Fantasy Flight Arkham Horror done in ninety minutes, mm -hmm. which is total BS. <laughs> it's it's like this is a this is a three hour adventure right now if we play it right. No Much like this it. podcast has been, so we need to probably wrap you this shush it. puppy up. I'm still. We're down to like three more to do. Relax. The uh, <laughs> Elder Tour is just a little bit too long to claim a higher spot than this right now on there, but I I do like it. 
I think that the Antarctic thing she was talking about kind of muddied the water a little bit for me. I and didn't shied mind it. me away from uh, some of the other expansions that are out there right now. Because there's like a desert board you can add now. And I don't think they're necessary. I think the game is, is plenty long enough without them, that's for sure. There's also another one called like Unusual Remnants or something like that that I've never bought. Like mm -hmm. Just purely based on the reviews that were kind of sour. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's really great right out of the box. And I think get that first expansion right after that. And that's it. Yeah. And you'll probably have a really good experience. And there's no reason to go farther than that. Absolutely. Right now. To me, that's uh, Eldritch Horror, my number three, and Nicole's number two. My number two. two. So your number two my is... My number two is Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Which was my number six. And this game is easily my favorite game of 2016. Uh, sure. I'm pretty sure. Even though I'm spoiling something for next episode. Boom! <laughs> I didn't even know. But I'm just saying, this game, they, they put out this app, and it took over the, the Game Master role, and it presented the story differently to you, and it gave you a lot more wonder in it. I don't know. It just kind of like added a lot more mystery to it than there was before for me, because I had zero. Because I was the Game the Master guy, every yeah. time, because it takes a no lot of effort. Because no one else will do it. <laughs> the first one took so much effort, you were basically building a role-playing game like single session role playing game on the table and you had to control the whole damn thing and it was just awful. Watch your mouth. You watch your mouth. It's getting late. I'm going to have to put you to bed. I'll put you to bed first. <laughs> but Mansions of Madness second edition really cleared the air for this stuff and made it great. Again, yeah. I, it's it's so much fun. It's it's probably I, I'm, it's one of the best horror games I own. Okay. It really is. What's your number? Are we at your number one? We're at my number one. Oh my God, what's your number one? <laughs> my number one, if you haven't deduced it from the one I haven't mentioned, is Time's Up. My goodness. And again, it's... A party it's, game. It's like the least gamey game on the I whole know, list. I know, I know. But in my defense, honestly, I had to think of the entire list of games, the one game that if I could only ever own one game, I would keep that one because it doesn't matter your audience you can have a good time with this game and any level of player can play it. People who like board games don't like board games. It's a party game. It's, this was my number You have to keep it in the there. I know. It's hysterical. We have such a good time every time we play it. It's fun. Like, even, like, I could see my mom actually playing this. I could almost see your dad playing it if we could. No, he wouldn't. He might. We nah. might be able to beg him. Nah. One of these days. No. Nah. He's going to like me enough to play a game, no, and this will be the he one. Doesn't. He'll never like you enough. Thanks. <laughs> he likes me a lot. <laughs> Not enough. Shut up. The uh, <laughs> Time's Up is number 26 for me. I think it's, I, I still think it's the best party game we own. Yeah. I don't think any other one can generate the amount of, you know, frivolity and laughter, just overall fun that this thing generates by the third round, everyone's dying. They're all having a blast. And again, does it necessarily mean it's my all-time favorite game? Yes. I'm not going to play it every time. No. You're playing it from now on. But it's on. the one I would have the hardest time getting giving up. All right. Wrapping this up, my number one is A Touch of Evil. Gee. Which is funny because... That was my number five. That's fine. A Touch of Evil, I, I've said it before, and it, just summarize, it's just a classic... A bunch of classic movie monster kind of, you know, generic movie monster kind of things set in a, you know, unusual setting of like the American Revolutionary kind of time, you know, that colonial America kind of time. And 
it's just a big bag of horror, random, chaotic fun. You're just moving around, you're drawing random cards, you're fighting crazy beasts, you're fighting some overall enemy. The game changes significantly from every single different type of villain you fight, you know, and it's just uh, no two games will ever be the same because there's just too much chaos. Mm -hmm. You're not going to micromanage this. You're just not going to be able to give up. Just didn't <laughs> just dive in, enjoy the theme. You got town elders that are going to help you or betray you during it. You don't know whether yeah, they will or not. Yeah, I do like that part about it a lot. It's mm -hmm. just, they got expansions that can make this one last all night too. Because remember, mm -hmm. we played the one with two expansions and it took us eight hours. We had to play it over two, like two sessions, or no, three sessions with Matt and Brianna. To Which get through ridiculous. the double expansions against the ghost ship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is if you had Liberty Square at Disney World with like, werewolves and vampires chasing you you'd be like having the time of your life i'm saying that two months ago i said i thought mansions of madness and i might take it out but when i really weighed it in my brain if i was going to sell one today and keep the other one i'd sell mansions of madness and keep your and keep touch of evil that's I just crazy would. it's still number everybody one. has their thing i can't get rid of it in my mind it's it's yep. it's ridiculous it's luck and it's so much fun because you just struggle through all the chaos and, and somehow beat evil. Mm -hmm. And you can play it co-op. You can play it competitive. You can play it teams. And we've done all of that. And it's fun. <laughs> so, so that's cute. that's our top 50 list. We hope you haven't can fallen you asleep that? yet. Right. And that's it. That's our 50th episode. Oh, wow. That was a big one. That was a big one. So, um... Let me just say that. Let me get to where my notes are. Where are your are. notes? Where did I end up? I don't even um, know where I'm at. Wait. I don't even know where I'm at. Wait, here we go. Here we go. No. No. <laughs> Wait, here, Is here, that here it? We go. Here we go. Here, I got it right here. Okay. <laughs> Goof. Okay, so I, I want to like just thank everybody for less, like including us in your holiday listening. Uh, you know, you could be listening to Christmas music instead of us. So We had a Christmas jingle. Okay, fine. Now, if you would like to have input in what we play or discuss things uh, that you would like us to say on the show or discuss things that we do say on the show, simply go to our website, talkaboutboardgames.com, and click the forums button at the top left. This will land you at our Board Game Geek Guild. Uh, you can join up and let us know your opinions. Uh, speaking of that, I will be posting a link to your favorite games of 2016 list and we'll be doing that pretty soon as a peaked interest so you might want to get on that pretty soon also speaking of that if you're listening to this this friday that it releases um you've only got like a week left to donate to board game geek and we definitely think you should support them we do right so just now, saying we also have a twitter at ta board games that you could follow you can also like our facebook and instagram and once again i ask that during this season of family occasions that we all wear our biggest patience hat and enjoy each other and our family you know all our families are you know made up of different people and with different opinions and maybe some of them voted trump maybe some of them voted hillary so maybe some of them don't care because they don't vote right. in America. Just enjoy each so. other's differences rather than ruining things. Exactly. Now, in two weeks, we are going to return with another episode, and we are going to battle for dominance in the game Imperial Settlers. So have a great holiday and come back and listen next year. Okay, okay so now it's my turn. The rest Here. of the game. <laughs> <laughs>